Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I'm the Gnarly Gnome. This is Cincy Brewcast, the voice of Cincy Craft. Uh, it's Cincinnati's Craft Beer Podcast. You guys come hang out. Uh, I mean, you're probably like at work or on a treadmill or something like that. So you're probably not having a beer with us, but at least this gives you some kind of connection to beer in those moments where you aren't able to drink. Uh, we just sit around and we talk about Cincinnati's beer scene and all that's happening within that and explore kind of the the stories that make it tick. And it, it's fun, right? <laughs> um, this is a good one. I have been... Um, I've been trying to make the show happen for a very long time. And even within the last couple months where we would have the show book, then I would almost die. Then <laughs> even today we have the show booked and then I get stuck at work and I'm sending emails at the last minute. Like, Oh my God, I promise I'm coming. <laughs> Chris Shields, we're at Ryan Geist. Um, this is only, I think this is only the third show that i've recorded in the rheingeist tap room which is which is crazy um for lots of different reasons only the second official show recorded here where we're actually talking about ryan geist. <laughs> it's, it's, it's insane welcome to the show yeah, thank you um thank i you. appreciate you making some time for me yeah a um, little, yeah, little extra time it. than we uh <laughs> we're planning but um this, everybody knows ryan geist uh, it's a big brewery down on Elm Street, um, w- the news came out recently: twenty-fifth largest craft brewery it's in the nuts. country. Yeah. It's you know what is so like fun about it to me though. Like when you when you walk into somewhere like uh, uh, who else is close on the list there? Uh, I think like uh, like Allagash is pretty close. Great Lakes is pretty close. Perfect yeah. is it? So when you walk into these places, it's obvious that they are right at that point. You know, top twenty-five craft breweries you walk in here and yeah it's big and especially the size of the the tap room space itself is big um with the what do we, do we call this the pilot system <laughs> when, you, yeah. when you look at this it's big but this is not you know this is not one of the 25th largest craft breweries in the country right, like this the bulk of the this doesn't space. this doesn't seem that big the bulk of the production is still visible if you kind of walk over and go look but um i love that this still feels I mean, it still feels the same way as when it, when it opened. It hasn't that tap room experience hasn't changed at all. It's improved a little bit with some food and things like that, but um, it still feels that same kind of that same size it always has. And that's that's not everybody can do that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> for mean, good or still, bad, you still have to walk up the steps. You've still got to you know um, you know come in. We've got this basically the same layout and, and format that we've had since since I've been here and, and since we opened really. Uh, right. You know, I talk to a lot of people about, you know, when, you know, what, what are your favorite breweries in the city? And I, you know, it, it changes every single day, it changes about my mood, the weather, all that stuff. But I was kind of shift the question and I said, all right, so if I have a friend from out of town that's coming to Cincinnati and they want to experience all that is Cincinnati beer, um, where do you take them? And even aside from the fact that you guys are clearly the biggest, bre- well, one of the biggest breweries in town, the biggest <laughs> locally. Yeah, not owned. technically the biggest. <laughs> um, but aside from all of that, just that experience of coming up those steps and walking in that door, I've never had that experience in any other brewery in the country that I've been to. I've had some great experiences and some neat stuff like that, but nothing that, that matches that 
um, that overwhelming kind of whoa. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean that's the that's the beauty of the uh, the, the stairwell, right? right. I mean, you, you come up those steps and you don't really know what you're getting into. And I think for for us, you know, the first time I came up those steps, um, I'm, you know, I moved to Cincinnati after Rheingeist opened. Right. Um, it was still relatively early days, but I was able to have that experience as well as somebody who. Uh, before I even worked here or applied here, uh, we came up on a visit to see if we were, we'd be able, like, do we want to move to Cincinnati? Mm-hmm. And had some friends that were like, oh, you got to check out Rheingeist. And so I know that feeling because I had it. And I think that that's, I think that's a lot of us that's, that, that work here, that's true. And so we want to keep that going. And we, we, we understand that. And we appreciate that having that moment we know people come from out of town to come right. visit we we try to you know keep it fun and honor that sort of it's wild i mean i i joke because it's like we're, we're we're turning eight this year which is like I, I saw, so I basically saw, grandchildren i saw the label come yeah. through the ttb and i'm looking at it i'm like eight that, that that's not right like yeah. they, there's that why would they get something approved like a year ahead of time and i'm doing the math i'm like holy shit that is yeah right. yeah we'll be we'll be eight this summer and it it just it makes us one of you know not not the oldest certainly but one of the older breweries in the area yeah. certainly by percentages you know most of the breweries are younger than us and I mean, I, I think I haven't looked really recently, but even just looking at like some of the Brewers Association numbers, I think the median age for a craft brewery is like less than four years old. Well, so uh, when when Brian Geist debuted on that top fifty list, I, I crunched the, a bunch of numbers when that happened because I was just blown away by it. And at that time, I haven't looked at it since then. Um, there was the closest brewery in age that was on that list. I can't remember who it was. I, in my head, it was 21st Amendment, but I don't think that they're that old now. Like, but maybe it was beside them. Or I, I don't know. Closest one was like 13 years older or 13 years old or something right. like that. Like the difference in the ages was just so mind blowing. And I think it's shifted a little bit since then. We've got some other younger guys on there. But, yeah, there's definitely been um, some, some, some other young breweries that have, have grown really fast the way the way that we did. I think it's safe to say, though, that, you know, before you guys exploded in the way that you did that really hadn't happened in the same way. Yeah. It's, it's, I always, I always laugh. Uh, now the BA does their like fastest growing breweries in the country. They didn't do that back when (laughs) we would have made that list. Right. Um, so I, I don't know kind of where we were, but I think, um, we're, we're pretty sure that we're, we're the fastest. We were the fastest to get to a hundred thousand barrels. Right. Um, I, I don't know that for sure, but it's like, also like that's a crazy number. I also don't know how many times that'll happen. Like not not the fast growth, but just getting to that number. Like that's not not that it was necessarily the goal for a lot of people before you guys opened either. But um, right, now right. now it's it's, kind of just, a it's it's not on it's not even on a lot of people's rate. When I sit down and talk to new breweries, it's not a you know how how big do you want to get? It's like. They'll come right out and say, look, we, we respect everything that's happening in the city. We don't want to be another Ryan guys. We want this other model. And like that becomes the norm right now is it's like we we can't do that. That doesn't exist right. anymore. Yeah, for- I mean, I think that I think that's we we found ourselves in a a nice combination of um, 
in a city that was ready for a lot of local growth, uh, in a region that was ready for right. a lot of local growth. Uh, I, I'm, I'm very proud of the beer we make and I, and the, and the, the place that we've built and the, the, our environment and our, our brand and everything. But I don't know that if we opened everything the same exact way today, that that would happen again. Like, I don't think it would. It was I mean, actually it was, a large topic in the discussion, I think, two weeks ago on the show. I, I sat down have, with I may have listened to that. Michael at Adina and we, well, you know, but it started with a text message. We were talking, I don't remember how it came up, but it said something about, you know, if, uh, well, I, I actually, I do remember how it came up. No, we were talking about, <laughs> we'll, we'll get into that. <laughs> we, you know, if, if Ryan guys didn't open in Cincinnati, what would Cincinnati look like if Ryan Geist opened somewhere else, Asheville or wherever we might've been, what would Ryan Geist look like? Would, would this have all happened the same way? And I'm, I'm fascinated trying to roll that around in my head and try to predict it. I don't know the answer. I don't even think after sitting and talking to him over a few years, I'm not even any closer to knowing the answer. Yeah, but. I don't, and I don't know that we, I mean, we don't, I don't think we, you know, we kind of uh, go through those same type of thought experiments sometimes. And right. I don't think that's something that, anybody can answer because it's just such a, I mean, it wasn't our plan to do that either. Right. Um, we certainly wanted to be a, a strong brewery in Cincinnati and, and, you know, perhaps grow beyond, uh, you know, the, the funny thing about Cincinnati is being so close to Kentucky, you probably start considering multiple States a lot sooner. Uh, I'm from the Raleigh Durham area in right. North Carolina. It's three hours is the closest state border so you can do a lot of growth i went to kindergarten in cary north carolina oh there you go nice (laughs) we we might have gone to kindergarten together uh but yeah that's uh you know there's that that area you can grow a lot and and grow geographically as well without having to cross state borders here you know i mean you can see Kentucky. It's right. like you can go up on the roof and see another state. Yeah. And it, it doesn't feel like you are right. in another state. And so, <laughs> and so even from our perspective, it was like, I mean, we have a ton of staff that lives in Kentucky. We, we want to be able to have beer in Kentucky. So right. you, you launch Kentucky. And then once every state is different and it's its whole set of work to launch a new market, but being set up to do that is is something that you have to plan for and prepare for. And once you've done it, you're a little bit better prepared to do it the next time. You, I don't think you guys could have prepared for uh, Kentucky for that launch and how that all worked out. <laughs> no, that wasn't exactly how we planned it. <laughs> oh, if anybody will just get on the blog and search for Ryan Guy's <laughs> Kentucky. And I'm sure the story is there somewhere of how that all happened. But um, we need to drink a beer. This is ridiculous. We are 11 minutes in and we haven't uh, drank a beer. So uh, my favorite from segment, the, beer the only segment <laughs> from the beer fridge or from the beer taps, as I love when you call it now. Uh, where do you want to start here? Let's uh, let's just let's go ahead and start with the the table beer. Oh, perfect. Uh, it, it, it's a it's a beer for here. So makes uh, sense. So the first time that I tried this beer was the uh, the beer and cheese pairing event with the rind. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I, I was familiar with the sour program, but hadn't really dove in head first yet. And this kind of lit a fire to, to really start exploring, especially when you start pairing it up with cheese. Yeah. That was amazing. <laughs> I think do, we did this as like the welcome. Yeah. Beer, yeah. I yeah. Think. It yeah. was, it was the, uh, the table beer. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> no, it's, it's something that we, we kind of talked about for a long time. And um, it was just something that we wanted to do. It was a great way to kind of bring something from our outer reaches, which is our wild and sour program, uh, and really kind of feature it here. Um, we almost we, normalize it. Is that a, is that a good way to make it? Yeah, make absolutely. It so it's like a, uh, I mean, Mitch a, and a Luke, table beer. Mitch and Luke have been on the show. I mean, you know, they approachable complexity is something they talk about a lot. And we certainly do some, some of our sours that are, you know, highly acidic or packed with fruit, right. you know, real funky from Brett or whatever. But this is just very approachable. And, you know, I think, uh, we get a lot of, you know, this is a, a great recommendation for a white wine drinker or uh, somebody who is, you know, sort of like uh, sour curious, right? right like, right. I like, look, I don't want to get blasted. You know, it's not super sour or tart. It's low alcohol. It's it's very much just a kind of, uh, I mean, it's a food, it's fooder aged. Like we, we age it in our fooder downstairs and. We use our, um, you know, house culture on it, and there's some spelt and some sort of um, adjunct grains that give it right. a little bit more character. But the whole point is for it to be simple and like not think about it too much. It's it's one of those beers that if somebody says, "Oh, I don't like sours," or like you said, sour curious wants to know more about them, you put this with a meal, and. I, I don't care who you are. I don't care how much you say you don't like sours. It goes well, <laughs> and like it, it starts to starts to showcase a beer like this in a different light, and just really kind of um, it becomes a, a star in itself. I, I I love the simplicity. It isn't that simple, <laughs> you know. Like right, it's, right. It's, it's like the, it's the, like uh, you know uh, always. It's like it takes a lot of work to make it seem like it's not that complicated. Yeah, if you if you want to sit and uh, drink a bunch of a sour beer, this is one of those ones that you can you can do. It's not expensive. It's not it's not over the top. It it fits into everyday drinking while still having the complexity of a sour beer that, you know, a lot of us a lot of us crave right now. Yeah. <laughs> so no, that was sometimes that was it's hard we... to to crack open one of those oh, expensive sure. bottles that you've been sitting on for, you know, a couple months and you're like, ah, it's just it's a random, you know, Thursday night and I'm right. just sitting and watching, you know, the masked singer or whatever you watch on TV. I watch uh, like Dora the Explorer and things <laughs> like that, but that's a whole other topic. But you know, it fits into normal situations and also kind of the, the and that was one of the things ones. that we wanted to, to do with it is you know hey if we're gonna if we're gonna label this as a table beer and just call it call it out as something that people can can have multiple times a week or have a couple right we we gotta we gotta put it at a price point that works for that and the way we you know it, it works really well uh, I mean. In all honesty, we can do that because we only sell it out of the tap room. Right. <laughs> um, that's the only way we can sell it for the the price that we that we do. But we're we're happy to do that because we love having something also that's exclusive. You know, a lot of our beer. You know, truth not hard to find. <laughs> I think it's on Applebee's. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean it's it's on everywhere. Um, and I mean that's that's how we were able to grow the way that we did was the success of truth and right. the acceptance of truth in chain stores and draft and everything like that but not we don't want every beer to be truth that's but that's okay so that's a good that's a good road to go down right now so you guys i think from a lot of the we'll say we'll say a lot of them we'll say the the vocal part of uh the craft beer community here in cincinnati gave you guys a little bit of shit over the years about 
only making truth and truth like beers. Lots of pale ales, which you guys went through a pale ale period, definitely, yeah. where there were a lot of pale ales. It was like our, our Picasso's blue period. We had a, <laughs> we had a, a pale period. <laughs> Clearly, at this point, there are things coming out of... I mean, we've got we've got a you know a, a, a flight sitting in for a sort of flight sitting in front of us, and there's not a pale ale there. <laughs> you know, like there is clearly other things being made here that aren't. Right. You know what kind of people? Yeah, and, and I, there are still people that say that that's all you guys do. And I, I, uh, there, there's there's like multiple levels of that, and they're differing amounts of frustrating to me and some of us that work here. One of them is if you're a person that buys all of your Rheingeist from the grocery store, you're not going to see everything that we do. That's true for any brewery. It's not a Rheingeist specific. Depends on what grocery store you go to. <laughs> well, but I mean, I mean like any brewery that has beer in a grocery store probably also makes other beer. Right, right, right. That they sell at their location. Right. And we, with our growth and with our presence, um, it's our core beers that, that people see out in the world. And truth is our flagship. We've made it since we opened. It is by far our number one selling beer. And, you know, but on the other hand, it's, I think even, even last year with everything uh, pandemic related, I think we still put out close to a hundred different beers. Right. The vast majority of them weren't in cans and the vast majority of what we did put out by volume was truth. Um, but there's, there's this aspect of, you know, for us to put something in a can, we have to be confident that we're going to be able to sell it and move it. It's also, is it, is it an insult when people say that, you know, you're, you're known for IPA, you know, like a, if you can make yourself that place that is known for the IPA in a city like Cincinnati or, or any beer city, really, I mean, is that really an insult? Like right, right. It's like somebody being, wants that spot. And if it's, it's, if it's not you, it's going to be somebody else right. and they're going to be damn proud of it. You yeah, know? no. Like and that's kind of what I mean when I say that, like, there's different amounts that are kind of frustrating or, or confusing about it because on one hand, yeah, I mean, we, we do make a lot of IPA. Right. We just also make a lot of other things. And I think it's that difference between being known for IPA versus the criticism that is the perception you only make ipas and it's like come on y'all like we make a lot of different beers like you don't have to like them you know like you you don't have to appreciate them you can hate ipas and still find tons of stuff to drink here right um and you know we do put and it's not just taproom only stuff i mean it's stuff on draft it's stuff in in package um you know we do we have cheetah we have our fruited ales we've got Wiffle, which is one of my uh, relatively new favorites. I still consider it new because it came out in like February of 2020. <laughs> Feels like that entire year is just like one little quick, like it was the shortest flash. decade of my life. <laughs> it's uh, it is funny. Like we were talking earlier about the last time that you know I I had a show here and I so well the last time I had somebody from Ryan guys I think it was just last and I'm like nope nope not last summer it was two summers ago because <laughs> last summer was of that summer right. It's weird how it just, you know, like it's, are we going to get to that point where we just kind of erase it from our memory and it's like 2020 just didn't exist. We have no memories of anything happening except that it was there. Right. Yeah. And then that's, and that, that just sort of goes to, you know, I think that's a little bit almost like kind of what happens with the IPA thing, right? right? Like, yeah, we do make a lot of IPAs. We make damn good IPAs and 
people enjoy them. You know, I always say like, I'll have friends that are, you know, like, oh, you know, I wish you guys made one of these styles. It's like, okay, well we did last year <laughs> right, and right. nobody bought it. <laughs> right. Like there is a level of, you know, I, I, we certainly make things that we love, but we make them in small amounts until people are going to demonstrate that they're also interested in them. Right. One of my, this is like, I'm, I'm picturing everybody that works uh, at Ryan guys rolling their eyes as I say this, but I love smoked beers. They're not for everyone is maybe the <laughs> nice way to say that. I love them. And I would love it if we like made one and put it in a can we would lose our asses on that. Like it would be just Chris buying this, this beer and a few other people. And not to say that there aren't other people that enjoy smoked beers, but there's the market's just not there to have a six pack of rock beer. Is, is there a certain point though, where when you are the size of a Rheingeist that you can maybe kind of put stuff out like that every once in a while, just for shits and giggles and not, not be as concerned about it. Um, taking off in the same way that somebody else that this is they're they're doing this run of cans and this is this is the run of cans for this month and yeah. that's it that's the yeah. only beer that we're putting out uh, to some extent certainly on draft and and we we've done that and I mean I I don't know I th- look at things like uh, you probably remember at some point a couple years ago we we did a can run of Uncle yes I definitely remember that that was that was mostly for the staff honestly it was like we really we 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 kind of at our annual meeting got together and it was like what's one beer that everyone wishes that we would put into cans? And it was like a resounding uncle. Right. And so we did, and it didn't sell well, which is fine. I mean, like, so like we were okay. Right. Right. We did the same thing. We did a, uh, uh, Van Honks was a Belgian golden. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was great. I was all like, this is gonna, people are going to love it. You know, it's like, you know, Belgian golden strong 8% in a can for 10 bucks. I was like, (laughs) <laughs> what could go wrong here? People are going to like climb over themselves to get this. And right. No, didn't, didn't do very well. Let's talk about uh, you specifically and kind of your journey and how you ended up here. Uh, you mentioned uh, you grew up in, in Raleigh, Durham area. Um, why'd you end up here? How'd you end yeah. up here? Um, so the, the, the answer to the, the second question first is I, uh, as with many people in this area, uh, my my lovely wife got a job with uh, PNG, and when she was uh, kind of interviewing with them, we realized neither of us had ever set foot in Ohio, so we should probably come up for a visit and and see like, hey, can we like if she gets this job, how do we feel about Cincinnati? And so this was like 2014, we came up. It was snowing and cold, but it was uh, the city flea, the like winter city flea, the holiday flea was uh-huh. going on. We stayed at the Cincinnati Inn downtown because we were like, we got to stay. We got to stay downtown. We got to check it out. <laughs> and we really just kind of spent the weekend walking around and, you know, we came up to Rheingeist. We went to the, you know, uh, Washington Park and saw Music Hall and we went, you know, went to a couple other breweries Um and there, we, we didn't have a car, so there was only so many places we could get to. Right. Um, but like you know, had had some beers at, at some of the the bars. Went to uh, the Lager House. Went to Rhine House. Went to, you know, I was at Rhine House was great because they had a bunch of local beer on. Right. And I was like, cool, set me up. I'm going down the line. 
Um, and we really just kind of fell in love with the city. Um, and then that's how we came to Cincinnati. And then once she took that job, I kind of was like, okay, who do I know that knows somebody? So you were already working in the, in the beer industry? I was already in the beer industry, yeah. I was working for a uh, small brewery in North Carolina called Mystery. Um, it was in Hillsboro. For those of you playing along at home, town of 5,000 people outside of Durham. Um, it is it is no longer uh, a brewery, um, which is which is a shame. It was a it was a great great spot and a great way to uh, get into the industry. Um, I was there for about four years before um, moving up here, and then just a couple years ago, uh, mystery closed. But uh, yeah, it was a, uh, about a thousand barrel a year brewery. So. Uh, I think so when I when you were when you were moving though you knew you were staying in the beer industry there was or, or yeah. was there a thought that maybe I, I had I, to go I, do something else I wanted to I, I was hopeful um, I'm basically a marine biologist so there's not a whole lot of uh, Cincinnati type jobs for marine <laughs> biologists there's 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 a lot of uh, people in the beer industry that have actual weird yeah things oh yeah. That <laughs> Um, I, it was one of those, like, I realized I really liked uh, learning uh, about uh, marine biology. <laughs> and then when it came time to, like, actually uh, find gainful employment, I was like, well, I don't want to be a professor. <laughs> That's most of it, I guess. I thought I was going to live on a boat. Right. Like, I'm like, <laughs> well, and it was, and it's also, it's like, you know, when you're, um, when I was younger in, in grad school, I was, I got to, you know, travel and do a lot of field work and go and, like, live at the this beach for right. two weeks and do all this cool stuff and then i'm like but i want to like get married and like want to like, actually have a, own real a house life. and yeah like <laughs> you can't yeah I mean, and you you can't i mean people do it but it was like i realized that wasn't for me mm. and um so i was just kind of uh working in in sort of the the greater science adjacent field for a while and um i got into actually got into home brewing when i was in grad school I was in grad school down at uh, Clemson and in Clemson, there's not a lot of craft beer. There probably is now. Uh, There wasn't then in the early two thousands. And so I realized like, you know, if I want IPA or, you know, American stout, I got to make it, you know, there was not a whole lot of, uh, not a whole lot of other options. And so got into homebrewing that way, eventually moved back up to North Carolina. got connected with a bunch of homebrewers there met my, my friend who started mystery and kind of grew that, grew that thing to, I think it was about 1100 barrels. We made the the last year that I was there, which is wild because the tanks behind us, the, right. the, the ones you can see in the tap room, fill those once that's 1100 <laughs> barrels. And I was like, well, uh, that, that was all the beer I made last year. <laughs> So I guess we've, I, we've I guess always heard stories out. like that. Though. I mean, you talk about big places like Sam Adams, which is, you know, right here, you know, in, in OTR, you know, that, you know, when, you know, when, when they started, I think Jim Cook had a very famous quote of, you know, these, these big guys, they, you know, they spill more beer every year than I, than, right. I, than I make in a year, you know, and it's, you start to, you start to see those scales of things now happening in the craft beer industry. And it's, 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 it's cool. It's fun to watch. It's yeah. neat. Yeah, I mean, it's like it, it's it's wild that um, even looking back, thinking about that now, you know, 2021, a lot of the breweries in this country still make less than a thousand barrels yeah. a year. 
a lot of the breweries here in town do. Right. <laughs> and and are and are thriving and successful and, and making great beer. And I think some part of it, some part of me coming from a place that was small like that, I you know, I I don't have any sort of like you could be making a hundred barrels a year and I'm like it's probably still good. Right. Like right. <laughs> if you're, if you're around, I mean, you, you, places don't last if they're not making good beer. In theory, <laughs> <laughs> not that I'm talking about anybody in Cincinnati. I love our local industry and I love everybody. <laughs> yeah. No, you're right. There, there are, and I would say, I think you're right though. I mean, in a place like Cincinnati where there are so many places, yes, there are some, <laughs> there are some breweries that are the only game in town places. Right. And, well, it just, you know, when you talk about craft beer, it's not just the beer that, that makes it what it is. I mean, the, the, the success of Rheingeist isn't just because you've got truth or, you know, whatever another beer is that people think is the reason you're successful. It's lots of other things. It's it's getting that beer in Applebee's. It's having it at the bowling alley by my house. Like, that's the, like that's a big part of it. It's, you know, being able to jump on self-distribution at a time where it was still kind of... It's still kind of new and people are trying to wrap their heads around what it meant for their business and how to use it in, 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 in the way to grow something like this out of it. There's so many factors that make a place successful. On the other side of the coin, you've got places like Fibonacci and Mount Healthy that are brewing beer one barrel at a time. With a bunch of goats hanging out in the backyard. Like it's a whole different, it's a whole different <laughs> model. And like, it's, yeah. it's still is still the same thing. It's still, right. still craft beer. It's still, just every place has this different personality to it. And there there are places that may have beer that is not as good as another place that I still enjoy just as much because of some other factor behind it all. And that's it's all valid and it's all Oh yeah, for sure. I mean it's it you know, places that, you know, have great food or sure. have a great, you know, environment or are near your work or house or, you know, all, all that plays into it. Um right. You know, I always say like people will say like, "Oh, what breweries do you go to a lot?" And I'm like, honestly, the, like I live in Pleasant Ridge. Yeah. I go to Nine Giant. Shout out to Nine Giant. Yeah, uh, I mean, and don't don't get me wrong. I actually I feel very lucky. I think they do make fantastic beer and they do have fantastic food. Right. But I'd probably still go even if they didn't. Like <laughs> I, I tell Mike that I'm like, I, I appreciate that this beer is really good because I'd probably be here anyway because I can walk here. Right. And there's some fantastic breweries that I almost never get to, even the, even ones I've been to that I love. I'm just they're right. just I don't find myself nearby, right. which is like the laziest consumer version <laughs> of like. But that's it's the reality. So when people ask me that question, I have a similar answer. But you know, I I go to a lot of different breweries because. I'm going there to do a show. I'm going there to right. talk to somebody about something. I'm going there to make a video, whatever it is. I'm going to different places because I have to go to different places. So like it forces me to kind of play this rotation game of trying to get to every place in a reasonable amount of time. I'm sorry to those places like Sons of Toil and Great Crescent that I don't get to as often because they're the other end of the universe for me. But you know, if, if I wasn't the gnome and all this didn't exist, like where would I drink? And like I, I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Like I, I, you know, is it the place closest to me? Is it the place that has the best beer garden? Is it the place that my kids have the most fun? Hang on, shout out to Fibonacci. There's goats. Right. <laughs> my four year old loves goats. <laughs> Who doesn't yeah. love goats? <laughs> you know, like is that the decide? Like what is that factor that would become the most important thing to me? You know, I, I, I don't know. 
Yeah. But it's, well, it's, it's so, uh, yeah. so fun it's, to it's, think about. And it's even, you know, I think a lot about things of like, um, even outside of breweries, like restaurants or bars yeah. or, or any, any place. If I go somewhere and I meet somebody and have a good experience with the staff or the, the owner or whatever, mm-hmm. I'm more inclined to go back to that yeah. place. And I don't want to say that it's like completely separate. Like, well, the food was awful, but they were so nice. Mm-hmm. I'm probably not going to go back, but it adds up. It's that, you know, having that, having those personal connections, having a good experience, right. that good experience could be a beer. It could be food. It could be, it could just be a bar to sitting, sitting at the right bar at the right time, exactly. with the right bartender and having a good conversation. Like I, this is my place. These are my people. This is, this is my spot. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, how was the beer? I, I don't remember. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, and that's, and that's one of the things that I, I, I'm really, uh, I'm hopeful to, to get back to that a little bit more. We yeah. talked to oh. before we started a little bit of like, I just miss like sitting at the bar and, and it's having a conversation and experiences, I think is, yeah. is the way I always keep thinking about it. Is it like, I just, you don't go out and have an experience anymore. You're, you're going out and you're having a beer having dinner or whatever, but that the whole experience around that has been just stripped to nothing. And I, I, I always that. say like, uh, I think our, our team in the tap room here has done a great job of, of adapting to the regulations and, and keeping everything clean. I mean, one of the biggest, uh, compliments that, that I feel like I heard about, about us during this was some of my, my wife's coworkers who aren't really big, big time beer people. they, they let her know that they're like, oh, we went to Rheingeist and it was like organized and we felt everything was clean and sanitary. And I was like, awesome. Like that's because that's this was you know, this was probably like April or May of last right, year. Right. Like no one knew what was going on. Right. And everybody's rubbing their alcohol. They're, yeah, uh, they're just rubbing, rubbing their alcohol, groceries yeah. down with alcohol wipes. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it was like awesome. Like and so I, I passed that along to our taproom team. Like, hey, like. I know this is a lot and it's, uh, it's hard and it's, it's, it's frustrating, but people are noticing and, but it makes it hard to have that personal experience. You know, right. you're talking through masks, you, you know, you can't hear, or I can't hear, I, you know, I can barely <laughs> hear. So it's, it's like, I'll find myself like with this mask on trying to talk to somebody and like my instinct, I'm like, I can tell we're not we're not communicating properly and I'm my instinct is to pull the mask down and I want to yell and I'm like nothing that's exactly right. what you can't do it's when the, when all this was in its uh, in its new chaos I'll call it I don't know if that was the worst I don't know where we're right. at now I don't understand anything but um, when we were in the middle of that and you finally could go to a tap room I felt safer going to a tap room and grabbing a beer and grabbing a six pack and going home than I felt anywhere else. Better yeah, than I, restaurants, obviously. Better better than the grocery store. Better than better than when I was at work. Like every every aspect of the way, especially here, I can I can speak for you know in Cincinnati, people handled this so well, and maybe that's part of the anal aspect of being a craft brewer and the the cleanness of of what right. that means, but. Um, it just it, it was it was comforting and it was that spot that you could still even if you were just like i said going in and grabbing a crowler like being able to see somebody that wasn't your family right <laughs> you right know, and just have that little bit of connection for a second um it was just it was so important and i think i connected so much more with a lot of breweries through that 
than I would have otherwise just as a drinker. It, yeah. Well, that's, um, that's, I mean, awesome because, uh, I, I can tell you that, you know, from the brewery's perspective, everybody who, you know, ventured out and, you know, I, I sort of assume that like people probably aren't having don't their, their favorite memory of Rheingeist probably didn't happen in this last year. Right. But they, you know, showing it, showing up and, and coming out and grabbing a six pack, pulling up and getting curbside or, you know, yeah. coming in and ordering a T-shirt online or yeah. whatever. Like that stuff really makes a difference. And um, one of the things that I, I've been trying to remember and uh, hopefully I'll continue to keep it front of mind is, you know, uh, during the during when things were. As, as bad as they were, I kept trying to tell myself, you know, I need to spend money now where I hope to spend money later. Right. And, and so, you know, just personally, I tried to do that. And, and I think you could tell that people, people mm. were doing that. And that's, that feels good. You know, it, it feels good to, to know that, you know, we have people that come in here that come in here a lot and to see them during, you know, COVID and, you know, we have people that come in, they play, cornhole or whatever mm -hmm. and it's like they can't do that right but they still come in they still have a beer they still you know um you know they can't go on a tour they can't there's a lot of can'ts it, but it just shows going back to showing those you know those different things that make a craft brewery your spot it just shows that all along it wasn't all the fluff around the tap room that is what people really fall in love with the majority of people i'm sure there are people like i'm not going there i can't play cornhole but you know like the, the majority of why people love a place like this is these other factors in the middle of it all. People think this is this is Cincinnati's brewery, you know, like in that that's why people come here. This right. is this is their spot. Right. And that and whatever which brewery that is is different for yeah, every person. Exactly. But everybody, you know, I think there's a lot of one of the things that's amazing about Cincinnati is the, the pride that, that Cincinnatians have for Cincinnati. Yeah. And you know, I talk to friends from back home in North Carolina or other industry people, and they're like, how, how did this, what is happening? And I'm like, you guys just don't understand Cincinnati, like, and Ohio, like, and Northern Kentucky. And like, it's just, it's, it's loyalty and that willingness to like new place. Hell yeah. Let's check it out. Right. Let's support them. And that's how, you know, that's how we've seen so many new breweries in this area in the last 10 years. And so much growth and in restaurants and in, in, you know, shops and everything. And that's, you know, the, the revitalization of, you know, art and culture in Cincinnati, yeah. like that's fun. Like that's cool. Like, I don't know that if we'd opened even in 2013, when we did open, if we'd opened in Nashville, like there were already a bunch of breweries in Nashville. There, there weren't as many here. It also, like, it, when you go to a place like Asheville, it feels very... Di it's, it's a great beer town, but it's it's built very differently mm -hmm. than a place like Cincinnati. Like, when you when you walk in here, you feel like everybody here is from Cincinnati. Everybody's local. Everybody, this is everybody's kind of local haunt. I'm sure that there's... Even now, there's probably people here that aren't from here. You know, like, the, they're right. just they're here for something else, and they're, you know, having a beer. But... When you go to Asheville, you get this very, depending on where you're at, I mean, there are some places that, that don't feel this way, but you feel like everybody's from out of town. You feel like everybody's just visiting and grabbing a beer because people say you should come here and, and have a beer in Asheville. And so like, it's just this very different kind of vibe as a, as a city than, than, than what's happening here. It just, 
Cincinnati is very local driven and we're yeah. very oh, proud of that. Absolutely. And it's, it is, it, it's fun. I mean, that's, you know, the fact that I think on the, on, when you had uh, Jim on the show, you guys talked about how like the original plan was to keep putting tanks in yeah. what is now the tap room and the, the city demanded no, basically. It was like, no, we want to play ping pong and cornhole and sit at these tables in your giant cement box and hang out. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, you look at what this place has become and, like, so that feeling of sitting in here and just the, the space. Like, thank God it's not just full of tanks. We, right. I mean, we would have we lost a huge part of what I think has made us successful. Right. And I credit, you know, our, our founders and the, the early you know, the people that have been here longer than me to, to recognize that and say like, uh, there's something cool going on here. Right. There's something special going on here. Like let's find another way. Right. And it was, okay, let's, we guess we have to buy this building and, right. and, and put some really big tanks in here. But, uh, I, you know, I think that that adaptability is a big, big piece of it. Right. Well, you hear a lot of a lot with a lot of breweries as they grow and as they get bigger and kind of by the very nature of what that means, have to stuff a bunch of tanks into, you know, you hear a lot of people that are like, ah, it's not the same as it used to be. You know, it doesn't feel the same. It doesn't. And it, and it doesn't feel the same because it's not the same. But the way Rheingeist has grown, it feels the same. And I don't know how you grow that scale. Yeah. And still feel the same. No, I mean, I, it's, I, I mean, when I, I don't know if it just always felt big, or if it still feels small. Well, I mean, as someone who came from a, a thousand barrel a year brewery, and I think 2014 we made about eleven thousand barrels. That felt big to right, me. Right. And the the tanks that are in our tap room have been in here since late 2014. Right all the other tanks in the production space are, are new and have, have, you know, been a, a participant in that, that growth to a hundred thousand barrels. But there like, there aren't any tanks in the tap room that weren't in the tap room in 2015. It and all- that helps you have that, that static nature of, you know, like it hasn't changed because really the tap room hasn't changed a ton. It's gotten, you know, some new paint and some, uh, you know, some new things. I mean, there's a giant TV in the back at this point right. <laughs> as of this week, but you know, and that's, there's always going to be some changes, but it's, it's, you know, the bars in the same place, you know, there, you, you walk up the same steps right? and, and you can still have that, that experience. It's not like, wait, what happened? Where is everything? It almost feels like when, when your local brewery grows and expands and opens up their production facility, which is what happens when a brewery hits a certain point, it feels like you guys just took the production facility and just tacked it onto the side of your original space. It's pretty exactly, much, it's yeah. exactly what it feels yeah. like, and I, I just think that that is so smart. Yeah. I mean, and, we were very we we're fortunate with the space again, the like building a, that we were in. You know, I mean, like I don't know how much of that we didn't plan that from the. I mean, we we were renting <laughs> the tap room basically initially, and it was like, oh. It had to be there a little bit yeah. when they were looking at the space originally. Like, okay, there is lots of room for growth around here if right. we need right. to. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, because it just it just worked out so perfect yeah. that, you know, how do you do this in the middle of a downtown area? Like, there are, there are breweries that are not anywhere close to, you know, a, a major city that when they go to expand, like, oh, shit, we don't have enough space 
<laughs> yeah. Still, and, and, and it... full disclosure, I mean, anybody who's driven down Spring Grove Avenue, uh, we, we have a, a warehouse that has allowed us to do that. Um, all the, the tanks and production is here for the most part. We have a small pilot brewery. Right. Uh, S- small, what, 10 barrel system? It's 10 hectoliters. <laughs> <Okay>. All right. Uh, <laughs> There, there are lots of places that are like, oh, there's a small system. Yeah. <laughs> it, is, uh, it, is, it is not the smallest pilot <laughs> facility ever. But, um, I mean, it does a lot for us. It, it, it's how we experiment with draft-only stuff. It, um, we're now uh, propagating probably 60, maybe more uh, percent of our yeast is being grown up over there, which is not only a huge cost savings, but it's right. amazing flexibility and... Um, you know, just the, the ability to play with, you know, for a production space of our size, we often are able to bring more different strains at a time into the building because we have that, that facility to kind of manage it and the staff over there to to kind of handle it. Um, and that's, you know, a lot of our beers that are coming out now, um, in, in cans began their life over there right and and started as draft only things in the tap room you can see when you walk into the tap room the the beers that are on there that are experimental batches that come from the spring grove facility like it you guys are very um very clear about that i think it adds this whole other flavor to what this is not a lot of places talk about their multiple locations or other so <laughs> right. No, we can I, go down a whole rabbit hole yeah. there too. But, <laughs> fair um, fair you know, enough. It's, but you know, just talking about the fact that like this is where we do this. This is where we do this. This is this is how this whole machine kind of operates, and just being you know, yeah, being I don't, yeah. I mean that that, that, that facility a, is secret, but it's funny because if you drive by it, and and if you haven't. You know, it's, it, it's, it looks it's a big like, Rheingeist branded building. It's, it looks it's, like it's, a production facility, right. but it is, but it has like almost no production equipment. Right. It is, it's, it's honestly, it's, it's a big cooler. Basically uh, it holds our, our dry goods, like, you know, empty cans and, and cardboard boxes and things like that. Right. And then all the beer that is uh, packaged mostly because we, we obviously have cold storage here, but not nearly enough. Right. Um, we run our, pretty much our Cincinnati distribution out of uh, Elm Street, but all of our um, out-of-state stuff, other parts of the of Ohio uh, run out of uh, Spring Grove. And that's because partially uh, there's a bunch of loading docks over there and there's not a bunch of loading docks <laughs> so, over here. So and the streetcar crosses uh, right, right, right down Henry Street, which is where our loading docks are. So one of one of my favorite things to do in Over the Rhine is to go over to Dunlap Cafe and sit there and watch the semi trucks try. Because <laughs> I don't what is some kind of there is some kind of facility over there with in the brewing industry, like yeast and yeah, and they, some they kind do, of disposal. They, yeah, they, they do. Uh, they do some stuff with. Um, with yeast, uh, I think, but there and, there are lots of trucks. And, yeah, that and have we have to a lot. And we have a lot too, because despite the fact that we're not using a lot of semis to move beer necessarily here, we do it a lot at night. Um, it's easier, but we have all our spent grain uh, has to right. come. Well, and our and our bar, and our malt has to come in right uh, on trucks, and um, 
that takes up pretty much one of the loading docks all the time <laughs> at this point. It's grain in or grain out is, is pretty constant. If, if you ever want to experience just a, a fun show, though, just spend some time over there at Dunlap and just, just watch. When the trucks come yeah. through, it's an it's a exciting event. Yep. If you ever wonder why they have lots of signs that say Dunlap Street in the Dunlap Cafe, it's because they get knocked down all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Shout out to, uh, to, to, to Stryker, Aaron Stryker, who... Uh, uh, has to schedule all those trucks to get the grain in <laughs> and out God. of, of Rheingeist, um, during, you know, rain, sleet, snow, yeah. um, you know, truck, every possible thing that you can imagine we've had, you know, trucks break down, uh, roads closed, all, you know, even, even things that are really fun, like, um, uh, opening day parade yeah. and things like that. Yeah. When that was a thing, um, you know, they, they close down, Henry Street. It's like, right. all right, we got to make sure we have everything we need for the day. Um, usually, it just means that we we shut down early and, and let everybody kind of enjoy right, the game. It's right. a good excuse, you know. Right, like, well, right. can't get any more grain in. <laughs> Guess we're done. Um, but yeah, I mean, our, our our warehouse team and and everybody just managing that well, is is a beast. It's, you forget that there is this whole machine that operates around making i mean you know that people have to brew the beer but getting those ingredients in like you said you know getting you know having a place to store cans when you're a rheingeist there's a ton of cans that need to sit somewhere yeah everywhere is pretty much where they sit if if anybody remembers back to uh blank slate i I like to mention them on the show as much as possible (laughs) when he started doing cans and you would walk in the tap room and it was like a little maze back there he would just have these stacks of cans with these little pathways through them um it's a lot of cans yeah (laughs) and that's think about that scale compared to the scale of a ryan guy store you know any other large brewery right i mean same thing like anybody like you know I love I love being able to look in in Mad Tree. Like the the hangar looks a lot smaller when it's filled with cans. Yeah, that's yeah. for sure. Uh, I love their uh, the way their observation deck is set yeah. up there, so you can really get this view over what's going on, and you know, yeah, try to zoom in on your phone and see what that can is that you haven't seen before. Right. I love it, <laughs> love it so much. Uh, we need to drink another beer, Let's and do it. Uh, then talk about uh, how how Rheingeist goes from here. Where Rheingeist goes from here. Ooh. Um. What do you want to drink next? I don't know. Let's uh, let's let's jump into this. Uh, let's jump into the shandy. Okay, give, so give that th- a whirl. That's gonna send me down another rabbit hole. Then Ooh, before we right. dig into all right, shandies. How did this just happen? Like, I shan- not that shandies are new. They've been around forever. Right, very, very not new. You know, but it seems like a, a summer shandy has been around forever too. It's it's a very popular beer every every summer. I get annoyed at seeing that tap handle around at some point, but um, how? How did this happen? Just like it seems like somebody flipped a switch and there are now uh, some a ton of shandies that I'm hearing about from from large players. How did that happen? Yeah, I, <laughs> How did it happen all of a sudden? Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I always feel like it's like everybody is like reading the same book or something. Right. And it's and to some extent, that's that's probably true. There's probably right. like people looking at the same trends and looking at the same um, tendencies to, to have have these beers. Um for us, it was, you know, we do, for, for being known for IPAs, we, we use a lot of fruit in, mm. in, in our beers and we do our fruited ales and we do cider. And so we were kind of thinking of like, uh, and we've made uh, things that we've branded as, as either uh, Shandies or Rattlers intermittently right. uh, throughout the years. And it was, they've always done pretty well, uh, but they've always been draft only. And honestly, uh, 
a couple of them have kind of been like almost an afterthought. Uh, they were, most of them weren't really like a ton of pilot batches or, or right. really digging into it was like, oh man, it's it's hot out. You know what would be great <laughs> is uh, a beer with some some like fruit juice in it, uh, but not like one of not bubbles, not Zango, right. not our fruited ales, just like a more traditional example of that. And uh, you know, certainly there's there are differences between uh, Shandy and, and Radler, uh, primarily geography, but. Uh, Go, go there for a second for me because sure. I didn't know that there really was a difference. Yeah, so uh, Shandy comes from the English brewing tradition. And then Radler would be Radler German. is German. Generally, the English, uh, a Shandy would be an ale, usually a, a golden kind of pale ale, right. simple blonde ale kind of thing. Um, and then Radler would have most likely been a lager. Um, I don't think that that's like super true now i think they're i like it though i want it to be true i think they're like honestly I've, mostly used interchangeably yeah um for us this is an ale so we figured we'd call it a shandy um i think the last version we did uh we we pretty much just used like cheetah and so we called it a rattler and so i think i think sh- i think shandy to me is more familiar to most drinkers than Radler. I, I think, I and mean, I could be completely, I think that's probably true because, because of summer Shandy, yeah. but I will say there's, um, I, I almost feel like in the craft world, like I know uh, Boulevard did a Radler. Radler feels a little more refined, yeah. but Shandy feels a little more, uh, familiar. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Um, and for us, it was just, um, you know, something to, some to enjoy in the, the summer months. We're kind of always looking for different things. Um, you know, cans can sell well in the summertime. Uh, people are out, you know, camping or kayaking or you know, certainly around here. There's, you know, plenty of places to be out on the water and, and play around. And we're always looking for stuff like that, too. Um, or just sitting in your backyard yeah. pretending that you're somewhere. That right, right. I have a tiny pool that I uh, fill up. Uh, I don't have any children, but I, I have just, a kiddie pool. I just tell my kids to stand in the yard and I spray them with a hose. <laughs> they love it. Yeah, turn the sprinkler on. That's how I grew up. <laughs> Not even a sprinkler. Just yeah. spray them with a hose with your thumb over the end of it. They love it. I'm telling you. Just, yeah. But yeah. So it's, it's, uh, so it's just it's, it's a very simple uh, blonde ale with some grapefruit and orange. It's refreshing goes down easy i mean it, it hits those notes exactly what you want I, i'm curious if it the crossover from so seltzer drinkers are real you guys it's a thing it's and story. It's, <laughs> i don't know if you guys can uh forever stick to this thing of not making a seltzer i think if you made a seltzer the world would explode um <laughs> in the city at least um but this to me not really understanding why people are drinking seltzer as much as they are, but having some kind of image in my head of why I think that this satisfies those drinkers in the same way that I think bubbles probably does too, or, you know, Zango or whatever, whatever else it may be. I think yeah. that this, those people that really don't want to drink beer and are afraid I, to admit I it think to themselves. I think there's a mix. And I think that's part of why the, the quote unquote, the seltzer drinker is hard to understand because I think it's not one motivator right right? i mean there's some people that want just something that's really easy drinking and and relatively light-bodied and inoffensive and those people maybe would enjoy sunspun the the shandy right 
there's other people that are super carb conscious. Like, well, beer's not going to do that for you right. uh, for the most part. Um, there's other people that just like the portability and, and ease of, I think, just grabbing that mix pack of whatever seltzer and, and trying new flavors and trying new brands. Um, I, as far as us, like I, I'm certainly never, I'm, I've done this long enough to know to never say never. <laughs> right. Um, the first brewery I worked for, we, we, we swore we'd never release cans. Um, we did about a year later. Um, well, especially, <laughs> especially after what the last year has been and forced everybody yeah, to kind of think about everything. Exactly. There, there's and, but, no, but we, you know, the way we look at it, we make beer, we make cider, we make our fruited ales, which are operationally beer cider hybrids. And we think that we make beers that are, you know, we have our, our very approachable, like the Sunspun and, and Cheetah and uh, Glow, which we, we may try here in a little bit, and Mathly. Like, these are all, like, low alcohol, um, relative, you know, the low the low cal thing is wild. Um, al- alcohol is calories. <laughs> Guess what? If you're drinking a beer that's around 4%, it's, it's low calorie. <laughs> Yeah. Shout out yeah. to Uncle. There, there's there's a uh, there, there's a lower limit on, on calories, and it's from the alcohol. Um, but uh, but yeah, but I but I think that there's there's demand for that out there. But I think there's also people that, at least like me, like I I don't. I, and this is not like Chris hates on seltzer time. Like I I don't hate on them. I I try them. I I like to see what's out there and and what things are are doing. Uh, I have friends that that drink a lot of seltzer. Um, it doesn't do for me what I want it to do. Right. And that's okay. Like, I don't think anybody at, you know, X seltzer brand is like, well, we didn't get Chris. Pack it's, it up. It's but, confusing to me because I, I drink a lot of, shout out to Bubbly if you want to sponsor the show. I, I drink a lot of Bubbly. <laughs> I love it. I drink it all day long. And then I come home and I crack open a beer. I, I Well, that might be why. But... But I don't know. Like if if somebody could make a a hard seltzer that tasted like bubbly, I'd, I'd probably drink it more often. But they never, it's never, never fits that. Like it's it's still so different from just carbonated water with some you know artificial flavor thrown in. Like yeah. right, right. And that's I think that and I think that's part of it is I like I like the flavor experience and and diversity of beer and cider and wine and right. coffee and cocktails and I'm indiscriminate <laughs> drinker pretty much i respect that very much <laughs> you know uh but i there's there's something there, there's some aspect to uh you know some of the seltzers that just they just don't have much there right and i mean if i'm if i'm just gonna you know drink to to get smashed like i you know i think irish whiskey or or whatever you know right. <laughs> i well, don't know like I just, I, it's such a rare thing for me to do that. Not to say that I don't end up that way, but it's usually because I've, I'm, you know, playing around trying a bunch of different beers or, or I love the experience of the flavor. Right. And I was talking to some, I don't know if it was on the show or not. So if it was on the show and you guys heard this, I'm sorry, but, um, right. I was, in. I was, I was talking, right. Send a letter. Send a <laughs> sternly worded email. <laughs> um, I, I, I spend so much time of my, my drinking, trying not to get drunk 
Like I spend so much time trying to spread it out properly, trying to drink a bunch of water so I don't get the effects of trying to pay attention to how much alcohol is and stuff. Like right. alcohol is the worst part about drinking. Yeah. Yeah. You you let me choose all these these beers. And I think the, the big one on the table is 5.2. <laughs> like that's it, So it's strange to me that, you know, something like hard seltzer, I, I don't know, I... When you guys are listening to this on for us next Monday, I was at Seltzer Festival Cincinnati, whatever it's called, oh, yeah. on Saturday. So I will let you guys know how that went and yeah. uh, how Seltzer makes me burp and like fills me up so much more than beer does for some reason, which is which is strange because that's a lot of the reasons that people say they don't like right. beer versus Seltzer. So I, I don't know. It's going to be a very burpy night. Yeah, my video. My uh, here's my here's my plug. If if you if you get burpy with your beer or your <laughs> seltzer or whatever carbonated beverage, pour it into a glass first. It's gonna knock out some of that carbonation. And pro may- tip, maybe that's part of it too. Nobody pours their seltzer in a glass. Everybody right, it's almost it right always just can. right out of the yeah. can. Yeah, and it's a, a you know tall skinny can which has to affect it somehow. There's not as much. Yeah, maybe less kinda, turbulence or something. I, I don't know. We need to we need to get one of our packaging guys on here. <laughs> Okay, so let's talk. Let's let's drink another beer before we dive into um, growing Rheingeist. If sure. that is if that is a valid thing at this time, uh, you want to go? Wait, do you want? Do you want? We, we can we can do glow. We I, can do uh, we can do Steve. I vote glow. First. All right, let's do it. It's uh, it is pretty. I, I haven't seen. I've mostly had it just uh, at my house in cans. I As I literally just told people to pour their beer into <laughs> a glass, I was like, oh, I mostly had these out of the can. I have not tried this at all yet. I've, I've had cans sitting in the fridge for like a month at this point, and they're in the rotation to get to. Uh, that's a whole other... First thing. in, first but, out? Is that the... Uh... <laughs> pretty, pretty, basically, I you know, I whenever I try a, a can of beer for the fridge, I also collect cans, so that factors nice. into it. So yeah. I... Try the beer in a controlled environment. <laughs> it's always, you know, out of the same glass. I take pictures of it first, uh, the can. Um, then I drink it and I write my notes about what that beer was like. Then I um, I save the can and so. Is, it, like is this, there a big wall? You got like uh, a not yet, not yet. It is containers. It is like Rubbermaid containers, stacks in corners, stacks behind door. It's, it's. I don't think it's all going to fit in my basement. Honestly, at this point, <laughs> I didn't didn't think this through you'll have to get one of those like rotating like uh, <laughs> uh like carousel walls I, that i was just... telling somebody at work the other day i'm gonna go buy like a little warehouse so that's all it is it's just my can collection and i'm gonna like just have this warehouse that just stores my cans oh like you know nickel tours yeah and, you know <laughs> but like i didn't start collecting can we're going down another rabbit hole um i didn't start collecting cans until madry released their first ones and i'm like oh this is cool like there's yeah. ca- there's cans yeah. coming out of a craft brewery my my dad was a can collector when i was a kid but it was oh, like cool. all, it was like, like all, all those kind of Brianna, old, you know? like yeah yeah and I'm like, this is this is really cool that now we have local breweries doing it. And then you guys did. And I was like, oh, this is this is great. There's more. Then somebody else. And then everybody somebody found else out. Then somebody else did. We're all punishing you. Then That's really 16 the... ounce cans happened. And then, you know, the. So the, you do those. You didn't just be like, nope, I'm out. I'm out I, on 16s. I'll I, just do it. I, I didn't. And I should have. And now I can't. <laughs> It's you, out of, you got your nineteen twos. You're going to have your uh, your slim cans coming. For, yeah. for a long time, I. Uh, I had every single can that had been released in in town after the that that first batch from right. from Madry, and I'm not even close anymore. There's I don't uh, know how is, you could be a terrible I, connection. I, yeah, a terrible collection. It's, we have uh, our a couple of our warehouse guys uh, downstairs have almost all 
I think, of the cans we've done. That's cool. Which is a lot over the years. And but that's the same deal. Yeah. They're like every time and they have great access right. to these things. They're like new can, <laughs> I grabbed it. There is something that is so cool about taking a just one brewery and having all those cans on display and like you can see that evolution of the brewery through the I mean through the branding, through the the releases as as names kind of change a little bit as little things on the can. Like I, I love watching that progression over time. Yeah. And it's more evident in some breweries than others, but you know, it's, it's yeah, I mean, there's, so there's, fun. there's definitely little things like uh, some cans are like truth is basically unchanged. Right. And, but then there's things like hustle uh, has changed yeah. a few times. Uh, shocker to no one. <laughs> uh, but even like, uh, I think it was, it was either last year or two years ago, our marketing team, our designer, one of our designers was like, can we change the France can? <laughs> probably no one that's not a designer noticed any change we, we need we need the, to bump this a millimeter to the right, left <laughs> basically and they were like it was like the design changed shape a little bit and it, it's that's one of the things i love about having like our designers are all in-house like we have our own like they're part of our marketing team they work at rangeist because they care about stuff like that and they're like time to time to put this in there are some designs and i won't call this one out because it hasn't been released yet but when when you see stuff like this and i'm showing the label of the can that is very very rangeist it still has all of that same the same branding that you're familiar with but there's other things going on that just that just take it to this other level with that and you like you it's part of that evolution and part of those little flashes of oh oh i I see where they're going with this here and like you see stuff like that happen it's just as a can collector that's the fun yeah one one thing that uh, sometime we'll have to uh It was was an IPA too, by the way, guys. More IPAs. It's a a pale ale, (laughs) all right. Um, (laughs) We we uh, we have not uh, put out uh, a whole lot of uh, pale ales in cans recently. That's true. There haven't been a ton of new packaged releases from from some of the bigger guys around town because of right. I mean, certainly, yeah, certainly last year, pretty much everything got scrapped or, or bumped. I feel, As like, it were. I feel like we're just now starting to hit this point where you're starting to see some of that. It's like, oh, God, yeah, I forgot. Like, that's a thing. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, it's it's exciting. It's making this uh, this summer very, very uh, Yeah, we have, a, very we, have, we have a couple like couple collabs yeah. happening and things like that right. that we're really excited about. Uh, one was definitely supposed to happen last year. Yeah, there was... Yeah, I've got so yeah, I've got some notes on some of that. We, yeah. <laughs> we, we, won't, we won't dive into that yet. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, we will dive into. Well, let me try this beer first. Yeah, give it, give it, a, give it a shot. Super crisp, clean, easy drinking. So, fruited sour in Cincinnati means a whole different thing yeah. now. And that's this. I, I will say this is a, you know, one of the things that I'm involved in here is kind of helping decide. Like, okay, the, there's like naming beers, which is nearly impossible at right. this point. But there's also like you have to choose styles and there's, as as you know, someone f- follows CTB a little bit. Right. There's a lot of rules around that <laughs> and like what you can and can't say and how right. you have to say it and where you have to put but it. And even worse, you can say it once and then the next time you could try to say it, oh, yeah. it's like, oh, nope, you can't say yeah. it. <laughs> that's <laughs> well, not that's not current what? in my life right now. <laughs> it's fine. I'm fine. Uh, but yeah. And so we, we um, I I will say that this it is a fruited sour. But it's that's such a broad and vague term that like so is guava tangent right and or subliminal jam like some of our outer reaches things this is most certainly not that but um, I'm I'm 
you know, it's also not, there's no historical style really that this right. fits. Like it's kind of a Goza, but not real. Like it's not really. Right. Well, n- none of this stuff with fruit in it is really a right. Goza. Right. Guys. <laughs> well, even, but it's even, not, it's not even that plus fruit. Right. It's just a little bit different. And, and yeah, we, we struggled a little bit with what to, to label this as. And um, I will say that uh, I believe uh, Sequench from Doc, I believe that's a session sour ale. Yeah. Um, which was on the table. We considered that because uh, that that has a, a similar kind of fit. Right. Um, but we really wanted to highlight the fact that there's there's a lot of fruit in this. And so we're like, well. I guess it's a fruit. It's like, I guess that's what we're calling it. So, well, you know, why, why is the consumer that's walking down that beer aisle that sees that can, what is it that's going to make them pick that up? Is it somebody that wants something sessionable? Is it something that somebody wants something fruity? Somebody that wants something like get into, like you just want to put all those words on there. Like, right. Right. No, it's really hard. It's like, what keeps me up at night is like, should we have said the, you know, session on the front or not, or, you know. it, it, that kind of stuff really does make a difference, especially when, you know, if you're if you're a diehard Ryan Geist fan, you're picking it up no matter what. You're you're drinking the beer, you're trying it. But if you're that 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 fickle consumer, which most of them are, most of the people who are who are drinking beer just kind of walking down the aisle and grabbing something, and you know, how how do you figure out what that thing is? And it can it can 100% make a difference for a beer. I mean, we've seen it with with name changes and style changes and stuff like right. that, and how how much it affects you know sales of that beer. Uh, it's strange. It's weird. <laughs> uh, this this beer, um, if it is summertime and I'm going to hang out at the pool or I'm sitting outside in the sun, from a fruited sour, this is exactly what I want. I love some. I love the big giant over fruited Berliners that people are doing around town. I love love the Midwest fruit tarts from Urban. I love all that stuff. I'm not drinking them by the pool. Like that's <laughs> uh, number one. They're going to go down way too quick, and I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm going to get loud and obnoxious, and my wife's going to get mad at me. Um, this is this is what I want. Yeah, and that's and that's what this is. This is designed to be four and a half percent. You know, it's it's clear. Right. Like right. It's, it's, right. Um, it, there's not, you know, the, the Midwest fruit tart, like right. gobs and gobs and gobs of fruit right. in there. Um, and as you said, like it's, those are, those are awesome, but th- this is a different thing. It's a very pretty beer. Uh, if you pour a glass of squeeze box, it is not a pretty beer. It's delicious, but it's not pretty. This is, this is, this is, I mean, that, that semi flight sitting in front of us, you know, you got this, this really bright pink beer on one end. We have, beautiful dark beer we've got this the shandy that's you know bright and gold like it's it's really pretty to look at it's yeah um, that was one of the things with with the shandy we did use we used um clarified citrus juice because we wanted that right like we were like i mean that's the downside to citrus is it's chunky and so it's got pulp and so we were like we don't want the we don't want like pulp in there so it, if you're, uh, I promise there's, there's plenty of, uh, orange and grapefruit. It's just <laughs> clarified. It's clarified first. Um, but yeah, this is so, and this, the other thing is this is, um, uh, the, the, it is kind of like orangish pinkish color. It's uh prickly pear and, uh, I'm told acai, okay. uh, which is a berry tropical berry. Um, and prickly pear is cactus. Um, 
so this was really just an opportunity. We were like, all right, let's play Sounds around like with an some opportunity to catch all the hipsters. <laughs> you know, we were like, we got to get some wacky, wacky fruits going on here. And um, we, we, because of our fruited ales and, and, and that we use a lot of different fruit, we're constantly bringing in juice samples and trying things. And at some point, I think, um, we got, uh, we had a sample of some of the prickly pear and it was mm. like, Oh, this is really nice. It's like, there's like a kind of a strawberry note in there. And after, um, after I get past the, the tartness up front and kind of my palate adjusts to it, it's really kind of like, like soft. Like it's like this, like almost like a floral fruity. They're, they're both, it's they're really both very good. delicate flavors. Uh, acai is like, it's, it's, it's often described as, uh, like it is a tropical berry and it's like purple, um, but it has a little earthy note, mm-hmm. which I think plays really well with the the prickly pear, which is you know cactus fruit and it's it's got it's like a strawberry almost melony, um, like the the can for glow has like in my head it's like watermelon colors, you know it's like pink and green and and it there's no watermelon in this but it's almost like reminiscent it's like. A, almost like watermelon rind kind of like there's a little bit of tartness right there's a little bit of floral note um you you definitely get all the fruitiness but it's not it's also dry um i mean it's it's made in a a similar fashion to the way we made peach dodo like there's a bunch of fruit in there but it's fermented out right it's a it's a great beer uh, I, this, this, it's become this, it's this become has, one that I was like all caught right. me off guard a little. I, I I knew I was going to enjoy it, but I didn't I didn't know I was going to really love it as much as I. Honestly, I, I, I mean, right I now. had that same experience. I, I was, um, you know, I'm a, you know, I, Uncle is probably the beer that I drink the most of. Right. Uh, uh, maybe Truth, um, especially now that I'm all the Truth cans that we make, I'm QAing them. Um, <laughs> you know, I love knowledge. I love the big bitter West Coast style right. IPAs and. And then the like simple classics. And this is neither of those. It's relatively simple and straightforward, but I think it is one of the, one of the, it's just a really nice thing that kind of came out of our, um, and I mean, this came out of spring Grove and it came out of, you know, experiments and, and test batches and, you know, um, you know, there, there were versions of this last year that, that right. people probably had. Right. And, and it was like, okay, we need, you know, turn the fruit up, you know, okay, turn that down. Like with beers like this, it takes a lot of that, you know, the more, the more kind of knobs that you add, the more you have to dial them in. It's neat like to be able to have a brewery of this size where test batching stuff like that becomes a whole lot. I don't want to say easier, but you, you have enough people that are rolling through this place that you can throw something like that on tap, not worry about, it's sitting on tap for for a long time. It's it's gonna people are gonna roll through it, um, and you, you you're able to kind of just put those out there. How's this go? How's this one go? How, you know, and, and really kind of tweak stuff on a on for a lot of people a very big scale. They get these these this, this good feedback that some of those smaller guys can't really do. <laughs> right. Well, it's funny we're actually more able to do that now than we were even just a couple of years ago because you know I always joke about like a lot of our uh, seasonal or like uh, one-off kind of even things in cans, Mm -hmm. we may only make one or two batches of that and we probably make them the same week. And then we don't get another shot at that beer for For a year. year. And, and that's not, I mean, that's true for any brewery that's doing one-offs, but 
it's such a, a luxury to be able to have that spring grove facility shout out to peter uh, mooney over there who's who runs the the brewing um he's been here longer than me um he was one of the guys that trained me on the brew deck so um he's he's doing some awesome stuff over there but he gets to iterate in a way that it's harder for us to do on a, a big scale right um talking about the scale of Rheingeist, um you know it used to it used to be that you were, as a drinker, I'll say, we were watching and just waiting for that next kind of milestone of growth, the next uh, the next big number that you guys hit, the next next state that gets out of which, you know, they're, you know you guys added Chicago, but in a different kind of market than things used to be. You know, like it was just, it was about grow, 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 grow. And where you guys have hit this point now um, where that's, that's, it's, it's, not that growth isn't still important, but it becomes a different type of growth and a different, uh, it's, it's different. Um, where does Rheingeist go from here? In, in your opinion, um, because I know that there are a lot of parts to sure. a, a question like that, but yeah, no, um, I'm, where, uh, where does Rheingeist go from here? When, when spring Grove was coming online, um, I think there was a lot of people that, just absolutely knew that there was going to be some kind of big brewing operation that went in there. And, and there was talk of some other stuff happening there, but um, you know, like people had this image in their head of what it was going to end up being. And that's not at all what it ended up being. Right. Um, right. I think, yeah, I think people expected a lot more stainless steel in that right, building right. than there is. Um, the, the, the issue for us is at least with spring Grove, what we needed was space. We, we have, we we are still, you know, we are not at capacity at the brewery here on Elm Street. I thought you guys were. No, we're, we are at capacity as far as adding tanks. Okay. Um, we are um, even, even uh, not even at the point of... Um, There's not somebody brewing right now is what you're saying. <laughs> oh, I mean, there there is. Um, you should just check your watch to make sure that was accurate. <laughs> yeah, which is funny because it doesn't tell me what day it is either. Um uh, no, we, we're we're brewing you're, over you're, there. You're not at the point where when Mad Drew is in 1.0, just beating the shit Correct. out of that 15 barrel system. Correct. You're they not they were they were squeezing every ounce of liquid and volume out of that system and brewery, probably more than they were physically possible. I don't know how they did that. It was amazing. Uh, those guys and, and gals like I mean, the amount of beer they were putting out of that place is is phenomenal. We are not there. We brew. Uh, we, we generally, brews get started kind of like, uh, depending on how you want to slice it, Sunday night, Monday morning, um, and run through uh, usually around this time. So, I don't know, seven, eight o'clock on Friday, they're wrapping up the brewing. So, that's a lot of brewing. Right. 24 hours for, you know, five and a half days or so. But we have more capacity to brew batches but we will we will fill all the tanks probably before we're ever truly 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 twenty four seven production brewing. But there's also things of a couple years ago we added a second kettle on our production facility that allows us to do more batches per day. Right. Um, we're um, one of the things that you don't get a lot of time to do when you're uh, growing at the rate that we were for a few years was really focus on efficiency and. Um, you know, uh, 
kind of getting getting the most volume out of a batch even. Um, you know, we've done a lot of things over the last couple of years. Really, uh, so it was right around 2019, I think, we, we really started to focus on purposefully slowing down, um, not stopping, you know, right. we're, we're, we're still, you know, we're still trying to grow, but at a much more measured pace. And the idea is we grew for, we grew at such a rate for, for so many years that there's so many things that we just weren't able to address. Right. And, and we wanted to be able to do that. So we've, we have a lot of, uh, you know, we're working on a lot of like sustainability projects right now and efficiency projects and, you know, getting more liquid into package per batch, right? Like those are, those are huge things, not just right. for cost, but also for waste and for, um, you know, like uh, time efficiency and things like that. So we're putting a lot of focus on those types of things. And um, like I said, we still have, um, I would say easily years of, of growth ahead of us before we even have to start thinking about another facility. When, when Spring Grove was on the drawing board, certainly there was a consideration of like, okay, what, do, what are we going to do with this space? Are we going to put a, you know, another 50 barrel, hundred barrel brew house in there and, and crank it out. And honestly, I think that was, we just came to the decision that like, that's not what we want to do. Like we're not, you know, we are happy to, over the last few years, we, we pretty much, we launched one new market ish a year. I call it ish. We do it once, but it's like <laughs> we did Milwaukee and Madison right. in 2020. Great, great plan. Uh, first week of March, 2020, we launched Wisconsin. Um, and, and so we launched those, those two markets They're you know, two cities. Um, this year we did Chicago. We will probably over the course of this year and the next few years expand a little bit in Illinois and in Wisconsin that we've already launched, but we're pretty much new market is like a once a year thing for us. Um, now that doesn't mean that like, the exact places that have our beer now aren't aren't going to no new places are going to get beer until next year no but we're 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 pretty happy with the the footprint that we have and the way we're growing um you know we're still very midwest focused um we're in seven states but they're they're all pretty much connected and and that's where our focus is and you know i mean i would say like we're not even we don't even have full coverage in indiana at this point right um we're working on it and we'll get there. Um, we, we expanded, uh, Tennessee a little bit last year. Um, we started with Nashville and we, we now are in like Chattanooga and East Tennessee. And we started in Pittsburgh for Pennsylvania. We're now like pretty close to about the Western half of the, the state, but those gradual moves are a lot easier to manage than new market, right. new state. Well, um, we see it a lot locally here where, a brewery comes in and they go really hard at it and you yeah. you see them and they, they're, they're in your face and you, you, you start, you know, learning that brand and understanding that brand and then they're just gone and the beer's still here, but they're gone. And then pretty soon the beer is gone too. Like it just, it's, it's hard to, you, you've, you've got to be dedicated to those markets that you're coming into. You have to let them know that we, right we believe in you guys as much as we hope you believe right. in us. I mean, we have, we have a full-time person in every market that we're in. Um, some markets like Kentucky, that's multiple people that work, work for Rangeist. Right. Um, we also use wholesalers in those markets. 
Um, but we always want to have somebody that represents us, that, that right. speaks for us and can be that connection between the brewery and the wholesaler or the retailer or help manage events or put on fun things or figure out which festival we might want to participate in right. because there's a there's a ton of that kind of stuff and right. knowing the right things to do is is hard right well, yeah. so we lean on our people to say like you know if they they come to us and say like oh this is the you know this is the event that we want to be a part of like that's what we're going to target these guys are jerks we don't want to be a part of that. <laughs> exactly and, <laughs> right. and and i think that's a that's a, a a huge part of our success in in as we've grown is having our people there and and being in the market and being able to see like um i mean like we don't send the same like allotment of beer to each market right it, it depends on what that market is like i mean right. anybody who's traveled around and and likes beer knows that different parts of the country have different appetites for different styles and you know like that's one of the exciting things for us ab about chicago we just launched chicago we know what we think chicago is going to be into based on our research and right. the amount of time we've spent up there and but the sales are going to show you know um like i i think that you know uh nashville sells a whole lot of cheetah more, more than most markets right it's a it's a lager it's just <laughs> like a, it's nashville like a, you think about it you're like oh well yeah of course that makes sense like right. people are like going to shows and listening to music and drinking a bunch of beers and maybe they don't want to have five <laughs> eight and a half percent double ipas they right. want to just have some four four and change lagers versus chicago where maybe those big ipas will be right right and and, and i mean things like uh like our outer reaches and our barrel aged uh beers right those those perform better in different markets and one of the things i'm really excited about is i i think that our barrel aged beers and our our sours and outer reaches i think those are um really stand out examples of those areas of, of brewing. Right. And I'm really excited to, to show those off in Chicago a little bit. Um, a city that has a great appetite for both of those styles. Right. In, in a way that some other markets don't necessarily, I mean, every, every market, you know, they're going to sell, people are going to buy some barrel aged beer. Chicago, <laughs> Maybe because of this certain barrel-aged beer that uh, <laughs> is made there, um, has a huge appetite for barrel-aged beer. It's also cold, right? Like real cold. Right. So you people have something need that. to take yeah. the chill off. <laughs> so I'm excited to see like this winter how some of our barrel-aged beer does. Hopefully, well. Right. Um, I, I think that um, we can stand up, uh, you know, toe to toe with a lot of the the breweries that that are, that do well in Chicago. But you know, as you said, like it's all about you know getting people to give us a shot and, right. and try it. And hopefully we fit what that those people are looking for. It's absolutely brilliant answer. When I ask you about growth, like it, it, it absolutely perfectly worded and expressed of, I of, practiced of, it of, in the of, mirror of, of where hours, no. of, <laughs> of, but of where this is all kind of going and, and it, it paints the picture very clearly. That being said, so X amount of years in the future, it's not necessarily true anymore. You know, you guys are a little, little more um, at capacity here. Where do you think things go? Does it become another facility in Cincinnati, or does it kind of start to really spread out and become 
a Nashville location or, uh, you know, a West Coast location, right. or whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, and I, in your I'll, opinion. Yeah, I'll say this. <laughs> this this we're definitely reaching very much into Chris's well, opinion. And if um, we know anything about how craft beer works, what somebody thinks today is not going to be the same thing that they think yeah. in oh, five years or ten years well, or wherever I'll, it is. I'll, I'll preface by saying we, we so far have not done the tap room somewhere else model and certainly could have mm-hmm. um arguably that's a i don't want to say easier because there's a lot of diff- it, it's a harder in a different way but easier in a way um you can engender yourself to a market really well by setting up a physical location there um when we launched chicago i had a bunch of chicago friends that were like where's the tap room and i was like no i just mean we're we're gonna send beer there <laughs> right, right, right. um but I get it. I get that excitement for people want to like, they want to go to Rheingeist or go to it's wherever even, it is. Speaking from somebody from Cincinnati who is fiercely local and lives and dies on local beer. If you come into town and just put your beer on a shelf, I'm probably, I might pick it up once or twice. I'm not drinking it though, because I, there's plenty of other stuff here. That's local beer that I'm going to drink. You put a tap room in, especially a tap room that also is making some amount of beer. I'm there. I, I'm I'm there yeah. a lot. And yeah. It, it, well, it. I mean, it's. It also like, regardless of how people think about it, like, it's a local brewery at that point. Right. Like it is. Like, right. um, that's. That's just a different strategy for us. We we feel very tied to Cincinnati, so it's really hard for us to imagine like. I mean, hell, everything we we put out pretty much says Cincy right. made on Cincy it, made. like. <laughs> Even Cincy even, and or know, Nashville made like it's even the name, you know, Ryan Geist. Like right. It, like, does that, does that really make right. sense somewhere else the same way that it, that it does right. here? And I think that I think some of it may be a relic of when we started and how we started and, yeah. and how much has changed since then. Um, you know, I, I almost feel like uh, it is more common now to do the like open a new location, bring in a team for that spot. And yeah. And do it that way. But everything's more common now. Every every idea <laughs> is more, is of more everything. common. Yeah. But like, I don't think that anybody can argue that there's not room in Cincinnati for even within Cincinnati for a, a satellite run guy. Fairfield is great. You know, just have, 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 <laughs> no, no reason. Be, be just, really uh, great. Uh, I mean, there's, <laughs> there's some, I could point out a couple of places by my neighborhood that would be really great. <laughs> yeah. and, and I will say that I think that um, my my guess. And hundred percent guess is if we were going to do something, it would be a another production facility. It just that, happens that, to have a little tap room that would right would have another tap room in the same way. May, probably not as big as this because it's kind of nuts well, the, see, the way our tap room works here. I would but, be so fascinated to see what that looked like too. Do you try to replicate how this is, or do you just go down a completely different path and try to right. put a whole new spin on it? I, you know, I think it would be. I think it would have to be different because I think you're just I not so going to replicate this. Um, I mean, honestly, even um, we there's no tap room at Spring Grove, right? That was a conscious decision. Like, would people go there? Yeah, probably. Oh, yeah. Oh, um, yeah. But this is our tap room. You know, like it, and, it, and for better or worse, that's kind of our also, vibe. Like, this is our spot. It also wouldn't be hard to add a tap room to Spring Grove. There's, sure. there's and that, plenty of and, space there. And, 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 and As we said, like, that 
12 months from now, 24 <laughs> months from now, 48 months from now, who knows? Like that, maybe that'll happen. Um, but at least for now, what we, we're happy with having this be our home right? and this being Cincinnati, but also this being Elm street. Right. Um, at some point, probably many years down the road, um, you know, we're last year, uh, you know, uh, we didn't grow. Um, I, we feel fortunate to have not lost a whole lot of ground. <laughs> not died. Right. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> um, you know, we were able to, uh, you know, we, we lost a little bit of barrelage, but nothing crazy. Um, but we're, we're hoping to kind of keep a, a steady growth that is similar to the last couple of years. Right. Um, and there's the way percentages work. There's still a good amount of space for us to keep doing that with the production capacity we have here. As we get closer to that true cap, I, you know, I, I think that it's it, it probably makes sense to do another production facility, but that's terrifying. It is. But, because, but, but this, you know, if we put in a 50 entire... barrel brew house, that means we have to all of a sudden pay for that by selling, you know, 50,000 more barrels but of the beer. The entire story of Ryan guys from day one till now has been about terror and like doing things like from the, you know, I mean, I know there are lots of very smart people that make sure these are the right decisions, but it's, you're flying by the seat of your pants. Like you, you guys are, you, have been doing things that nobody else is right. doing. It's it's all this this huge game of risk and 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 believing in what this is. Right. That's kind of it's it's it is. Is there a part of where you guys are now where things are kind of leveling out and you're kind of focusing back on kind of like you said improving some of those processes? Is there absolutely? Is it, is, but but is there something that's not as exciting about that too? Well, I mean, maybe maybe externally, but internally, I think it's more exciting. You know, like we we are focusing on our processes, our, our people, our, um, systems, our right. efficiency, like that's fun for us. Um, you know, if you live in, I don't know, like my, where my family lives in North Carolina, like right. we don't sell beer there. They're like, come sell beer in North Carolina. And I'm like, no, like that's <laughs> give, us a, like, give us a minute. Yeah. <laughs> We're catching our breath. I'm tired. Um, <laughs> I mean, we do. I mean, we grew like hundreds of percent for a couple of years there. That was nuts. I, we have no interest in doing that again. And to put up a new production facility, you kind of have to almost commit to doing that a little bit. And we've also now launched enough different markets that we can see, we know how much and how you have to go into a new market, right? You can't, like I say can't, you can. We could, we could build a new production facility next year and... Um, start shipping beer to 12 more states. Right. But that's not a sustainable model, I don't think, anymore. Um, unless you put 12 people in those 12 states and, you know, and, and really commit to those markets. Right. Uh, because I think there's a lot of beer drinkers like you that are like, yeah, I want to. I feel feel weird about talking about it sometimes because it's definitely who I am as a beer drinker. But then I look at you know breweries like you guys that you know are putting their beer in Chicago, which there is a 
a little bit of a fierce local kind yeah, there's of a, there's community a few breweries, and, and, few and Chicago there. too. And I'm like, oh shit! I'm, as I'm saying that, I realize that that's what you're battling is people like me <laughs> in other cities. You're yeah. trying to convince me to buy your beer right. in Chicago. But that's that, but that's the beauty of of craft beer drinkers, right? right. They are not monolith. There is every type of you know there are, there are craft beer drinkers that drink you know only porters. And they'll I, drink any porter they can get their hands on. I don't only drink local for the record, guys. I love <laughs> Dayton beer, too. That's <laughs> multiple counties right here, people. Shout out to, to Warped Wing and, yeah. uh, you know, I was uh, just, Branch I was and just Bone. At, uh, oh. I, I just made my way to the smokehouse for the oh, first time. It's a great space. I hadn't, hadn't been up there. I walked in. I had to ask. I was like, okay, has this been here for like two years or like two months? Because time. What I like about that place is when you pull up to the front, we're again going down a rabbit hole. Um, when you pull up to that place, it doesn't feel big. It, you walk in and it's like, it's good sized, but it's like, it's a, it's a nice, you know, brew pub kind of thing. And then I don't know if you got to get into the warehouse part. Yeah, there's a all. lot more space than it's it looks huge. like. The yeah. place is massive. But, but, it's a, but it's a small little brewery. Yeah. It just, it feels, it feels very, yeah. uh, had some, very some real. great beer, yeah. some, some lovely brisket. It's nice. Let's drink another beer, and then we're way over time. So uh, we'll drink another beer, and I want to talk about kind of Cincinnati beer in general. Yeah. Um, what's this last one here? So this is Steve. Steve. This is uh, this is a a uh, long time occasional brew, I guess. Seasonal is probably even too strong of a, <laughs> a term. Uh, it's our black lager. Um, one of my one of my favorites. As I, I mentioned, I love drinking sort of like the. The, the kind of classics, uh, right. classic styles. Um, I know you, uh, I think, I think on the last episode you were talking about how like, you know, it's really hard to drink imports sometimes. It is. And, and you're right. Um, and I will also say as a person who teaches a, uh, level two Cicerone class, <laughs> it's, uh, it's hard to find and purchase imports to, at, which are the classic examples of these right. styles, but, um, to, to share with my class and particularly this year it's all virtual so like i had to have i couldn't do anything that was draft like i can't be like grabbing growlers and right. sharing them <laughs> i had to like find things in package well it's you know pilsner is a is a great example for me like i feel like finding a good imported classic pilsner that isn't old or isn't in bottles and light struck or you like it's almost impossible like and it's always a gamble and i just yeah. i one is tough because you have to you have to check it every time yeah you know that's that's the thing that's that, that's i mean frustrating it's whatever cry cry myself a river for myself but <laughs> my beer's all right <laughs> but uh it is because they're because just the way that that works that that import export business like you could grab you know uh a bit burger and it's really nice and fresh and then you could grab it from the same place the next week and it's it, it's from the same batch that you had the last right. time and it's it i makes guess it tough. i guess i should uh i should clarify here because there is a new thing happening with some of those imports yes where they are are they fermenting on the way over is that what's happening i, I don't i think they're basically Lagering, shipping over, okay, they're so like they're shipping brewing, over a brewing, tanker. Every, all yeah. of that is done, but then the lagering process is done in a tank on a ship across right. the ocean. And I think even for things that aren't lagers, but it's uh, and then when it gets here, it gets canned right, here. So right. they are in theory process yeah. process wise, the packaging process is your biggest input of oxygen right. to a beer, which isn't 
good. Uh, that, you know, like our packaging team works really hard to minimize the amount of oxygen right. that you pick up. You're always going to pick up a little bit. But if you can delay that minimum pickup until it's already here, you know, when it's in the tank, it's it's fermented, it's it's clean, there's no extra oxygen. So they're, they're bringing it over and then packaging it here. Um, and then that should... Um, uh, give some some better shelf life. I'm I'm curious, like that process of loggering on a ship where things are rolling around, how that affects everything. I, yeah, I, it's, it's and a, and and I say loggering. I don't know that that's true. That, I, I think that's that but sounds that's about basically right. what they're. I mean, they're they're shipping it over in hopefully some type of controlled ish uh, temperature. Pic- the picture on the can is like a really cool looking tank. Like yeah. it's a little drawing of it. it I see it on like the the Smokerla. <laughs> Uh, smoked beer cans yeah. oh, because yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. I, yeah. as I said, I love smoked beer. So yeah. we would just went down a whole nother rabbit hole yeah. about lager. <laughs> so you, you can get, you can get decent uh, yeah. loggers right that's, now. And that's, that's been a really fun, like that's been cool. I remember the first time I saw some of those, I was like, wait, what is this like yeah. wrapped, you know, labeled bright can yeah. of 16 <laughs> ounces of some beer that has only ever been in a green bottle or right. whatever. Right. People are figuring out how to, uh, and, this is, you know, a good, good kind of segue into what you guys are doing. For so long, people just were screaming about loggers and yelling that this is, this is it. This is, this is beer. This is, this is what, you know, Cincinnati was built upon. This is what our brewing industry was, was, was sure, really, built this, this, building. Is, this is what, this is what, you know, made the city what it is. And then like nobody was making it or people were trying and it was mediocre and it was just like, oh, okay. I I'm, I like this better, you know, and you go back to your, your IPAs or whatever it is. We have turned a corner, something maybe, and I'm talking like super recently, maybe, maybe it's because of COVID and some of the places that have some extra tank space and can really dedicate some time to it. Right now in the city, there are some incredible loggers happening. There are breweries, there's, you know, Rebel Metal down on 4th Street that is just dedicated to, that's, that's their thing. 80 plus percent of their beers are going to be like, that's exciting. <laughs> like, you know, places that you don't expect, like little places that are just, they'll crank out an incredible lager. Um, it's nuts. Yeah. No, there's definitely some, some level of like, you need some knowledge and, and, and experience and, efi- and efficiency to be able to make loggers well. And patience. But it, but it has nothing to do with size. Like there's, but, but I think in the U S so much of what we think of as loggers is large scale. Right. And that's been true for many, uh, forever, basically, since there's been beer in the U.S. It, the large scale brewers have been making loggers and the, the brew pubs and small places have been making ales and or loggers. Right. But, you know, a you can make a, a three barrel or one barrel batch of lager as long as you're following good protocol and using good ingredients and following the the recipe that you've dialed in you can make some great lager you don't need you know a thousand barrel tanks and that's that's i think cool like some of it is we're even we're just getting you know uh, the reason to to harken back when when the brewery used to work for us said that we'd never put beer in cans small scale canning lines were terrible right they're not anymore so for us, it was like, why would we put beer in cans? The canning lines aren't good. Right. There aren't good small canning lines. Well, then a couple people came out and Cask and Wild Goose and these companies came out and were like, oh, yeah, here you go. <laughs> like, these are these are pretty good. 
And so it enabled a huge amount of breweries to be able to put beer in cans in a responsible, high quality way. And that's continuing to happen more and more with the, the more small breweries there are, the more demand and the more um, incentive for equipment manufacturers, ingredient manufacturer, ingredient growers and, and processors <laughs> to be able to say, like, you know, this is this is the really high quality stuff and right. it is accessible to a small brewery. And that's to me that as a drinker, that's awesome because it means that there's good good access to good beer right. and good process for a lot of people and you know beer that you don't have to drink within four days or it's gonna you know <laughs> right. taste terrible um so loggers and the explosion of loggers i'll call it here in cincinnati is extremely exciting to me we've i think we probably have mentioned that you know low alcohol easy drinking but flavorful beers is exciting to me what gets you excited about cincinnati right now that maybe wasn't happening before that you see happening now. Yeah. I, I think that, um, to some extent it's, it's a little bit of what I, you know, almost that little rant I just was on of like the, the ability of, um, small breweries to have the same playing field as big breweries. And, you know, like, again, there's lots of small breweries like we don't have the same right now. They're yelling at their uh, their phone. <laughs> sure. But like, you know, like uh, we we have fooders. Right. Ten years ago, I don't even think they made fooders the size that we have, right. let alone much smaller. And, you know, sure, there's there's advantages to being big. There's also disadvantages to being big. Right. Um, the, the hydrostatic pressure in our tanks makes it difficult to. uh create sustainable haze in hazy APAs because there's 240 barrels of beer sitting on top of that. That's why they're juicy unfiltered. Um, also hazy is not a flavor. So, um, we, we focus on, on that, but, uh, did I mention that I've been in the industry long enough to be like still a little bit confused about hazy IPA? I'm, there, I'm confused about every, every trendy thing that has happened yeah, in beer. In I will the last say I, five years. I, I, I finally kind of wrapped my head around hazy IPAs when uh, Mitch Steele, longtime stone brewer uh -huh. now at New Realm, I saw him. He had a quote that was like, I never understood hazy IPAs until I realized they weren't IPAs. That's And he's he's mostly right. They are IPAs, but they're, it, it's a different thing. It's a type of IPA. I, and IPA, that helps me. IPA is shifting from being a style to being a category uh, exactly, of styles. Right. IPA is and almost that, lager that at this point. That change has been really rough for a lot of craft right. beer drinkers. IPA is basically <laughs> lager at this point. Like, yeah. what, what IPAs exactly. do you have? Norm, like 10 years ago, that was a weird question. Mm -hmm. What IPAs do you have? Like, I don't know, that one? <laughs> like, we have two. Right. They're the same. They're both West Coast style American IPA. You wouldn't even have said West Coast back then. But no, I, I love that Cincinnati is getting to the point where we have um, specialized breweries and um, a lot of these breweries that are four, five, two, whatever years old mm -hmm. are figuring out what they're really good at and and focusing and, on and that. owning it. Yeah. And it's really because I love like that's what like I love being able to go into a place and like look at the board and be like they know what they're doing. But even, because they're trying like and like, yeah, there might be some other stuff. But even beyond like when you when you walk in and like you, you, you see who they are, like 
when a place opens and they're able to communicate that to you and it's in their branding and it's in their, their personality as a business and you walk in like, Oh yeah, there it is. Yeah. That's exciting. Cause that, that didn't exist for a long time for a very long time. Like even, <laughs> you know, like it, it was very difficult for people to understand who they were and uh, it's, it's, it's exciting to see that, you know, as things grow up and evolve and, and mature, um, people are figuring it out before they've been in business for five years or, you know, however right. long. No. And I, I just think that's really exciting. I think that there's, um, there's, I mean, we've, we've, we've got this great community in Cincinnati. There's all this interaction between, between and among breweries, but also with other businesses and restaurants and, um, the, the, the community of people that enjoy beer in, in Cincinnati and, and around, I mean, it expands beyond for sure. But, you know, I, I love, I mean, I, we talked as well, like I love lagers and, and low alcohol beers and there's a lot of people doing that really well. And that's awesome. Like, I love it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I had a, I had a, I I had love, a Pilsner at Nine Giant. I love that right now. This week, I can I can walk into my local beer store. There is an English Mild on the shelf. There are locale IPAs on the shelf, which I consider session IPAs. Yeah, <laughs> there's you know like these things that like before were just kind of like niche little things that maybe popped up on tap every once in a while. They're in cans. They're they're right there. They're you know I can I can fill my fridge with them. Right. Like that's well, and that's and that's the other thing is like I I'm really excited about uh, a lot of the newer and smaller breweries than us really pushing some of the different styles out there. I love Belgian beer. We don't make a lot of it. Right. It doesn't sell well for us, at least not right now. But if a bunch of other breweries start making it and making it so well. There's a lot of people yelling at their uh, their phone again. What is it? Pure Fury? Is that the, the Belgian IPA? Fiction. 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 Yeah. A lot of people yelling. Yeah. <laughs> well, that that uh, that one was tough because it also was Nelson Sauvin hops, oh, yeah. which was like, again, it was so, like two years that so, we were like, no, so, you, you some can't have are any. Some things are easier for small right. breweries and right. things are more difficult. Yeah. When, when we need to buy like boxes and boxes of Nelson Sauvin that don't exist. It's like, well, can't make that. But it's, it's, you know, as, as more breweries, big or small, are making more different things, the, the drinking community is exposed to more different right. things. And people will, you know, the people that some of the people right now that say, I don't really like craft beer are going to in a year be saying, oh, I love Belgian styles <laughs> or, oh, I love, uh, I love English style beer. I love Miles and, and Porters and English English Browns. They've just not had them yet. Right. And I, there's only so much that we can do as, as Rheingeist uh, if you don't come into this building. And the more places where people can go into the building, the better. One of my favorite quotes from the show, which I was looking to see if I had the sound clip loaded in here. I don't, but it was from Dan Listerman. Uh, he said, the great thing about craft beer so you never, I'm paraphrasing here, you, you never have a drinker that, you know, used to be a macro drinker that says, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I tried that craft beer stuff and I went back. You know, like it's always, people always move into craft beer 
and then they're craft beer drinkers. Right. You, yeah. you you don't go back to drinking right. crappy. You, you haven't beer. found the beer that you love yet. Like, once you do, you you're there. <laughs> like it's it's yeah. a it's a it's a journey. And then once you're into craft beer, there's still another journey to take place. But um, so you, many you don't go back. Not not the craft beer drinkers don't this for drink a while, they just crappy repeat. beer. Like oh, yeah. I, 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 I'm, I am now like, uh, I've been drinking a ton of just like what I consider like quote unquote classic IPAs truth, basically. Right. Those like American bitter for bitter focused IPAs. In 2019, I wasn't drinking any of that. I was drinking tons <laughs> of lager and, right. like, you know, Belgian style stuff. I've gone through like three rounds of drinking sours and then walking away and then coming back. I love it. it I, en- it's, it's I enjoy exciting. even on like a smaller scale, like I'll just take a week and I will go into my local shop, grab a mix of six and I will just, just one style. I just, what a, what's on the shelf that is this style. I'm just going to grab all these. It's one of my, and that's, that's yeah. all I'm doing this weekend is I'm drinking this style of beer. Yeah. And like, it is so much fun. It's one of my favorite things about teaching the, the Cicerone class with our team is I also drink those beers. So right. I like, I've got in my fridge right now that I'm going to drink this weekend, a whole bunch of English style beers that are like some Sammy Smith's and some, you know, I've got a Boddington's. I couldn't tell you the last time I had a Boddington's. (laughs) I'm so excited. It's probably nitro can. Yeah. It's, I'm probably (laughs) going to have feelings about it, but I've got a, a, you know, I've got a trooper, which is like one of the only bitters I could find. Um, and you know, uh, like, I mean, Sam Smith, oatmeal stout, I've got a, uh, uh, Fuller's Porter and I've got like just all these things that I'm super excited about that I haven't had because I don't I don't have them that much. Um, well, there's, the there's, way that I try new beer is usually on draft. Right. I, I get a pretty good deal on beer in cans uh, here. Right, right. And so when I'm at home, I'm usually honestly usually drinking Rheingeist. And that's been the thing I've missed is um, my wife and I actually we're, we are going to I don't know where yet. We haven't decided. We're going to go hit a local brewery this weekend that not one that we've like that's close to us. We're going to like get in the car and drive somewhere and and go check somewhere out. So I don't know if they still do it. One of the things that I respected a lot about Randy and Karen down at Wooden Cask, every single weekend they went somewhere. They went to a brewery. Uh, I I don't know if they still do it, but they were like for a little bit. And so they would they would get to try everything. They They got to go to all these places like sometimes. Maybe it was a good decision. Sometimes maybe it wasn't, yeah. but like they, they just every right. single weekend yeah. they went to oh, somewhere. There are still, there's still way too many breweries in the Cincinnati area that I haven't been to. Okay. I was, I was afraid you were going to say there were way too many breweries. In no, Cincinnati. no, 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 You can't no, experience them no, all. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> there, there's just way too many I haven't been to and, and plenty that I need to go. Uh, it's been too long and that's, I haven't been back to. That's my frustration. I look at some of these places, like I mentioned earlier, Great Crescent and Sons of Toil that are kind of out there that I'm like, man, and Sons of Toil, I will be there for a show soon, guys. So stay tuned for that. But, nice. Um, I was actually there just a couple weeks ago. Uh, we, we uh, me and some friends like to go camping out that direction. Right. And so we always uh, stop in for a, for a pint before we go some into of, the woods. Some of those places are just so hard to work into right. your regular routine. Right. I mean, it's far. And, and it, it, like, it doesn't mean that, like, it's just not on my way to most right. places. But that's why before the pandemic, my wife and I were actually, we were doing pretty good. We were like, because also we're not, we didn't grow up here. Right. So we were like, all right, well, we got to like check out some of these neighborhoods too. That's one right. of the beautiful things about all these craft breweries is they all are in different spots. Right. 
you know, it's not just like, well, they're all in one, you know, chunk. Well, that was, so you go and you check out the neighborhood and we would go and we'd like, all right, well, let's, we'll pop into these shops. Maybe we'll grab some lunch and then we'll pop in the brewery and and check it out. If it's a brew pub, maybe we have lunch there. Right. And and so we, we decided we're like, we got to get back to that because we miss it. That was a great way to learn about the city. Yeah. We, um, we, we used to do really good about that. Then we had these people that moved in with us, <laughs> small little people that were those loud. tiny roommates, <laughs> very opinionated. <laughs> uh, so, promise we're wrapping this up. We are almost at two hours, guys. I'm I'm really sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm really bad at pacing lately. I just <laughs> the show just keeps going on. And on. I I'll, had, I'll take the blame. It's my I fault. Actually, like the last chunk of shows have all been fairly long episodes. I had to like upgrade my hosting plan on the, the place that I, that I host all my podcasts because, <laughs> because they're long, I, they're bigger I've been, files. I've been and... uploading too big of files. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry guys. I'm trying. It's, it's really nice to like, uh, be in the same room as a human that I'm not married to. And, I, I blame talk. COVID. I love my wife. I, I blame but, COVID uh, that the shows have been longer yeah. because I miss interacting with people on a regular basis. Yeah. Um, I also blame the tiny humans in my house that make interacting very strange. <laughs> We'll, we'll play a game and then I'll throw up on you. <laughs> um, so we talked about what gets you excited about Cincinnati flipping completely 180. What makes you nervous about things that are happening in Cincinnati right now? Like what, what kind of terrifies you about this local beer scene or is um, there anything? I, I don't know if it's about the, the beer scene specifically. Um, and really just off the top of my head, I, I think the, the biggest thing that, that terrifies me is is coming out of all this. Um, I don't know that we I don't know that anyone knows what things are going to be like in one month or six months or 12 months. And I think that as with any big change and shift like that, like we're, you know, I, I hope not, but we're probably going to lose some places that we love mm-hmm. and um whether those are, you know, shops or, or breweries or, or restaurants. And, and then some of the places that survive are going to change. Oh yeah. And that's okay. And some of them are changing, would have changed anyway, but it's just going to be, you know, I, I think, and I hope that people take coming out of this, whatever timeline and whatever, way that they're comfortable with and, and feel good, but you know, use it to, to relearn the city because things are going to be different yeah. and places are going to be different. And, you know, hopefully the places that you love are, you love them for the same reasons. But if, if not, you know, find, find new places to love. Like there, there's, <laughs> there's so much here. I mean, we have such uh, whenever I travel, I'm always like, you know, my wife and I love to travel. Um, we don't have tiny humans. So, we can leave the house a little easier. And, um, you know, I mean, we've, we've been to a lot of, you know, the great cities in the country and many in the world. And it's like Cincinnati has way more going on than anyone realizes outside of Ohio. I, I never know if it's just like my own bias of living here that makes me feel that way. Or if this city is really as incredibly amazing as I think it is. Like I, I go other places and I'm like, this is cool, but, Uh, it's just missing and i don't know what that thing like this the way cincinnati has grown and developed just feels real and like you go other places and it doesn't feel that way it feels like it just somebody kind of 
yeah. described what they wanted things to be and then right well and i think i think made it happen you know there's there's definitely like obviously like we love cincinnati so it's our it's our home it's it's you know um they're gonna have to wheel me out of my house in a, a body bag i think but the even just things like um our restaurants right like nationally internationally our our food scene doesn't get the kind of credit that right. chicago or new york or seattle or atlanta or any any pick your top 10 right. 20 city in the country our food's just as good if not better because it's 40 percent the cost right. of you know i mean um i'm trying to think i don't even remember the name of the place it was somewhere in the pacific northwest my wife and i were up there and we were like you know what we're gonna splurge on like a really nice dinner <laughs> and we we spent a good amount of money and it don't get me wrong it was delicious but afterwards, we were kind of like quiet, and it was like, "There's places in Cincinnati that are that just that good, and maybe better, right?" And yeah. It was like, "Yeah, there are like that, like." No. But nobody thinks of you know nobody like travels to Cincinnati to right. go eat at one of our amazing restaurants, but they should. They should. It's one of the 100%. things that when people come visit, I'm always like, "We're going to um, Salazar's, one of my favorite spots." Um, you know, there, but there's so many, I mean, Soto and, and, so, oh. and I mean that, so Soto is probably my wife's favorite spot. Um, <laughs> the last time I was at Soto was, um, an anniversary to no. So she was pregnant with, with my, my youngest who was about to turn one. So somewhere like in that two year right. range, a year and a half ago, I guess. Um, so we got there two days before she had found out she was pregnant. So we already had the reservations. So we go to Soto. She can't drink wine. She can't eat those little ricotta donut right. things. The, the little, the, can't have ricotta if you're pregnant, evidently. So like lots of little things like that. Like she's just there and you like, you need to see sadness. And I'm like, that's fine. As soon as, as soon as he's born, we're going back. I'm just going to yeah. book the reservations. Now this was late 2019. <laughs> so, Baby's so born. You do, is baby, what you're saying. Baby's you're, you're born right. April of 2020. Here we go. <laughs> now yeah. we don't leave the house. <laughs> but, but yeah, yeah maybe, but no, but it really maybe is. this, I mean, this year's some, anniversary. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll go just, back. Just take the kit. Send her. Just send her just, by herself. Go to dinner by yourself to take pictures and say, yeah. bring me some takeout, please. <laughs> the, takeout's great. I have, I have friends. It's a power move. They order an extra pasta every time they go for the sole purpose of bringing it home for the next day. <laughs> I, like, that's clutch. My, my wife uh, is very patient with all of the things that I do. Uh, I mean, she's right now home with the kids. They're probably burning something down. <laughs> and, you know here we go like our our anniversary and she's pregnant and i'm standing there i'm you know before dinner while waiting for her to, i'm drinking negronis and then you know sitting down and just drinking bottles of wine and she's <laughs> oh i'm sorry honey i promise one day i'll make it up to you thank you very much um yeah. is there anything you want people to know about ryan Geist that you think that they don't already know we only make ipas That's it. no uh <laughs> no i will say um uh, we are we are going to be uh, one thing that we're really excited about. We're one of the like beer partners for FC Cincinnati. Yes, um, I, it's been staring at me on the giant TV. This oh yeah, they, they turned on the giant TV. <laughs> yeah, so we, we got a big uh, a big TV. We're going to be doing uh, like uh, uh, we we just upgraded the sound in here too. So we're going to be able to like play the games with audio, which is not it, something we've ever been. No, you don't. If 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 the world starts to go back to normal, I don't even want to think about what OTR is going to start 
being like when that stadium opens up. Yeah, I'm I'm super excited. We're we're gonna have like a bar in the stadium, but we're um, we're, we're we're trying to be you know a fun spot to yeah. to watch the game, yep. um, home or away. So uh, we're gonna play the games in here. Um, we're gonna be doing like you know uh, different things around the game. We're, we're also bringing some things, some things that have been gone from the tap room for a while are coming back. Mm. Um, uh, now, obviously, this is all contingent on you know, as, as rules around COVID relax, but we're looking to, uh, bring back some, some, some more activities and some things to encourage people to come out. Uh, you know, we, we know that sitting at, at a table is not the only reason that people like to come to, to Ryan guys. So we're going to be doing some stuff, adding some new stuff. So, um, nothing, nothing is final yet, but there's right. going to be some, some cool stuff happening in, in the tap room. I can't so. wait. It's, it's this summer. I believe in the deepest I got, parts you of believe. my heart yeah, are, is going to be so. a really good summer. I hope so. Um, if you haven't been to Rangeist lately, come to Rangeist. It's uh, it's rooftop season, guys. Come up there. Um, I don't think the cicadas will be bad on the rooftop at Rangeist. Not as many trees in I think OTR. I think it'll be so okay. I think we might be um, all right. So if you need uh, like a, an escape from cicadas this summer, this is probably one of the best places to sit outside and be cicada-free. Or inside. <laughs> or inside. Uh, our or inside is kind of outside-ish. Uh, uh, kind of. We but that, that rooftop, yeah, rooftop no, is so it's, good. It's, yeah. <laughs> um, and maybe maybe you'll be able to get a uh, branded Rangeist tennis racket to swap yeah. the cicadas. <laughs> um, if anybody's going to have a branded tennis racket, it, it will yeah. be right I'll, I'll, I'll talk to our marketing team <laughs> see what we can do um i appreciate so much you making some time for me making yeah way extra time yeah. for me well, we, a long it, show we were due. later we were episode. we were due for for some some content so uh we'll have to do this again before it's been another four years or whatever <laughs> that's it is. right it's well kind of two because yeah, we that's, did, that's kind of two yeah um, we, still we'll, too long we'll definitely be back and um anytime you guys need anything let me know because i i 100 and i mean this i I will always support everybody locally, but there are places that I think are doing things to a different level. And it, I mean, it goes without saying, I guess, that you guys are um, becoming a really amazing ambassador for Cincinnati beer wherever you go. Yeah. And I, well, well, thank you. I mean, we we I personally take that as an honor. And I mean, that's what we're that's what we're trying to be. You know, we want to. That's why, you know, since he made is on everything. I, like I love we, it. we um, you know, we're we're from here. Um, and we're going to, you know, we're going to be, you know, doing, we're doing our employee ownership, uh, launch this summer. So, you know, like we're, this is a, this is a, a, a Cincinnati company for forever. So for, for a very, very, very long yeah. time from, guys, from our, is, from our cold dead anywhere. hands. <laughs> it's not going anywhere. Uh, thank you. Like I said, everybody get down here, drink some beer, drink some uncle for the yeah. love of God. Yeah. So good. So much uncle. Um, um, and, and if you are a craft brewery listening to this, make us some English mild. Let's, Cincinnati. Let's, let's have super, like English, super mild English mild. Off. Everybody prove scene. that you, you can do it too. Yeah. <laughs> um, we'll be back next week with Cincy Brewcast. It's the voice of Cincy Craft. <laughs>